An absence of meaning opens a gap in time. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Oodles. 29 years in the making. Joining me today... (laughs) 37 years in the making, we have Stig. Twat. Hello. 25 years in the making, we have Candy. 21, actually, but that's fine. Sorry. 35 years in the making, we have Gadget. Yeah, I'll take that. And and now 62 years in the making, (laughs) we have Biggie. Motherfucker. (laughs) 63, <laughs> Listen to the end of the show for that reference. <sighs> Before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our kind and sexy patrons. Details are in the show notes and check out our website, modernescapism.co.uk, for exquisite content and links to all our gubbins. So as always, and has absolutely never changed, it's time for Biggie's Breaking News, as of last week. Yes, have I got news for you? Sorry. Have you? Yeah, I have. Here it comes. Uh, be outdated, though, so do what we want with it. So um, Square Enix joke. is sending off its Western Studios, IDOS, Crystal Dynamics, and Square Enix Montreal, as well as those franchises the studios developed, including Tomb Raider, Jewish, Jewish Deus Ex, Thief, uh, to the Embracer <laughs> Group, uh, the Jewish companies X. announced on Monday. Mm. Deals were $300 million for all of that lot. That doesn't seem a lot. I was going to say that. It doesn't. When you consider Bethesda was, what, 7 billion and then um, Blizzard something, I can't even remember what it was. 77 billion. Yeah. This includes Tomb Raider of all things. But the the, the weird thing is it it includes like a thousand staff members as well, Mm. or 1,500 staff members across all these studios. So it's just like 300 million seems like a fucking bargain. We could have chipped together and got it ourselves. Oh yeah, it, it 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 it's it's like a bog off deal at the shops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you reckon it, it seems... was? Do you re- I don't know how business works clearly, but do you reckon it was three hundred million? Because obviously there is all that staff, and you have to think about them as well. So the embracing think, group uh, has to cover that. Yeah, I think I remember. I can't remember whether I heard it on a podcast or I was reading about it. It's basically that's three hundred million, like kind of cash and share payment. Yeah, up that's front. that's profit. That's but all the stuff. But they, I think they're committed to not making major redundancies for the mm. next three years so I'm it's basically the value of the deal is actually a lot more but in actual cash terms it's like 300 million yeah yeah that's what i thought that's right because still cause, a fucking steal why didn't mm. like sony buy it or you know what i mean imagine well sony Tomb Raider, back about, to sony sony could still buy square enix though I yeah think they were talking about they'd that want now, it for final they? fantasy and stuff though wouldn't they? the big yeah, guns. i wouldn't be surprised if that happens to be honest unless they go to jail usually for when... their deal with bungie so it's 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 worth remembering as well. Embracer Group um, used to be THQ Nordic. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'm just looking up the, the the list of the games they've got because it seems to be quite quite extensive. Darksiders, yes. Um, Would they? Um, they said, I think that's they, games. They've now, got those so. licenses then. They, yeah, something like Tomb Raider. Do you think that they just completely reboot that again? Then or carry yeah, on the same style? After now. Are they, allowed, are they allowed to carry it on in the same style? Or 
That's the last. Well, yeah, because 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 they're the rights holders, and yeah. if, if it's the same developer, it's still they can, the yeah. same guys. I think people are just enjoy whatever they bring out. Really, I think yeah. Tomb Raiders. They need to Tomb make Raiders the main character the a guy. No, no. <laughs> he's had multiple like reboots though, hasn't it? So it's fine where people expect it. Yeah. So the uh, Embracer also own. So under the Embracer umbrella, you have multiple parent groups and companies underneath them. But like parent groups, they've got are people like Asmodee, um, Coffee Stain, who own Ghost Ship Games, oh. Dark Horse Media, so they own Dark Horse Comics and Dark oh, Horse shit. Entertainment. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Uh, Gearbox, so they all everything under Gearbox. So they're they're the slimy Randy Pitchford's paymasters. Mm. Um, Coke Media, so under Coke Media, you've also got Deep Silver, Flying Wild Hog Games, and Vertigo Games. Oh wow! Uh, Saber Inter- Thanks Saber for the game Interactive. One from them in the week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, THQ Nordic sit under them, so they've obviously got a load of other developers. That's in when it comes to Western them. developers, they're a behemoth now, aren't they? It's kind of like they're the Swedish version of Tencent. Yeah, like they just yeah. seem to own everything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they're necessarily as evil as Tencent, though. Well, we, we, we get to find out, aren't we? Excellent. <laughs> look, so, looking look, looking at the people they own, they don't appear to have any like big live service games. Yeah. What other news we got, Biggie? Let's go. So, Return to Monkey Island um, has been announced that it's due that sometime this year. Um, Ron Gilbert was said to be a bit hurt by the feedback he's had from fans about the art style. Um, he said it's ironic that it's the people quite like the art style. who don't uh, sorry he says it's ironic that the people who don't want me to make the game I want to make are some of the hardcore Monkey Island fans and that is what makes me sad oh, about want, all of the want, comments. Do they wanted to like Uncharted or fucking no, the Last no, of Us? They, <laughs> no, they, 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 they wanted to have the same art style as the as the original cartoons. Games. Yeah, I think is it's still really cartoony, but it's a bit more of a kind of. 2022 cartoon. It's got a slight. I'm not a slightly Nickelodeon style. You don't play Monkey Island for the graphics. You play it for just the writing. Awesome writing. Graphics just help the story. Click click, clicky. I love animation and stuff, isn't it? The remastered of one and two. Yeah. When when you played in the remastered version, that looked great. That should just. That's what I was expecting it to look like. I'm up for it. I haven't seen a picture of what it's going to look like. To be fair, it's um. I mean, it, it it doesn't look bad. It's it, it's got a very kind of chunky art style as opposed yeah. to like the kind of um kind of Disney fied art style. Um, ah, so what's I mean, it's Return to Monkey Island. Uh, one, well, yeah. four or something. Yeah. They oh, did. We, oh, we don't talk about that one. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> um, I played that one with the um, Escape from Monkey Island. That's one I played. Like, yeah. yeah. You know, with the kind of three D look. And you got the tails of the Monkey Island. Yeah, I, I thought they were okay. They they obviously dropped in quality, but I still enjoyed them. I fucking love the first Bring one. Bring it back. I'm up for it, mate. I'm ready for it. I think it's just because it's a little bit... It's stylized in a slightly different way to the original games. I think the hardcore fans are a little bit annoyed The main by thing that. is hardcore Rob's involved. Exactly. It's the game fans? he's wanted to make. <laughs> Excellent. Next. Uh, it's a very, very quick shout-out. Um, there was a musical based on Bioshock. From California's John Burroughs High School Powerhouse Choir, and they won the Heart Encore 2022 Show Choir Competition. I mean, of all things that you put a musical Would you on. kindly do this? <laughs> Did you watch the YouTube clip of it, anyone? The actual yeah. musical. Yeah. It was good. It was, it was really good. good. It's not based it exactly on the plot or anything, but yeah, they've been inspired by what happened in Rapture and stuff. And, uh, yeah, cool, man. I'd love there to be an actual musical. Yeah, with Andrew Garfield. Musical. 
being correct. <laughs> well, there's a Netflix <laughs> film in the works, believe it or not. Yeah. There's been a Bioshock film in the works for decades. I know, yeah, I think since the original came out. Yeah, but Netflix are pushing forward with it, I think. How mm, probably well, not. because yeah, Netflix, Netflix have no money left. Too. Yeah, bye, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to give a massive shout-out to uh, the game trailer, Outpost. Um, I'm so into seeing how this game turns out. A Chinese first-person shooter. We were the last line of defence of an invasion. And it just looks absolutely mental. If they pull off what that trailer shows, I'm well up for that. I'll drop that trailer in the uh, Discord when the uh, pod comes out. I'm sure you can see it anyway. Uh, moving on from that, the new spin-off Game of Thrones series, House of Dragon, has a trailer. And I like the look of this. I had seen it. Yeah. It, I think it it's got really all good. the feels just... of Game of Thrones. If you like that, it yeah, looks exactly. like this. Doesn't have Doing the people. The I say it doesn't have D and D behind nope. them. Yeah, so they might not get bored of it this time. <laughs> so, <laughs> might do a decent job of it. Yeah. It's just more more Game of Thrones, but it so it looks it's obviously set a few hundred years before the the TV show that well the Game of Thrones TV show. Uh, it's about the Targaryens and all yeah. kind of. It looks like they've got it's all, all the, those legends, it, isn't it? At the top, yeah, got the Baratheons yeah. there, the Starks, and all the other people kind of pledging the loyalty to them and. I hope it stays a political intrigue show. Yeah, I do um, too. Cause I do like the talking bits in Game It does look like it is going to be that because it, it looks as though, I'm not going to attempt the names of the Targaryens, but it looks as though the current <laughs> king is trying to set it up so his daughter is the one that goes on the throne and that's yeah. a big no-no. So it's going to be, awesome. yeah, it looks as though it's going to be a bit of a political backstabbing kind of clans turning that's on clans. Want. But the Iron Throne, if you watch the trailer, looks great. Looks like the act what the Iron Throne should look like. Should look like, yeah. 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 It looks like Paddy Constantine's in it, is that right? Matt Smith is quite a mixture. Matt Smith looks a bit like Jimmy that, Somer- yeah. Somerville, to be honest. But... <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a lot of blonde hairs in it because they're all, they're all tagging. Jimmy Savile, I mean, not yeah. Jimmy Somerville. <laughs> Completely different. Well, we well, going I on. I know what you meant. Hang <laughs> <laughs> on. You got it wrong, corrected it to be wronger, and then went back to your original thought. That's impressive work, even by <laughs> your standards. Not Jimmy Somerville. Completely different. Say his <laughs> name one more time, anyway. it's going to haunt us. Yeah. Uh, it looks good. I'm, I'm actually excited to see it because I did love Game of Thrones, the first few series. Yeah. And um, if it's got people who actually care about it, yeah. now, you know, we're hopefully. Yeah, production looks good, doesn't take- it? Yeah, it might just take People the, were uh, saying in, on Twitter saying, it won't be fun because the ramifications can't be too big. I'm like, it's set hundreds of years before. Yeah. Of course it can be that big. It's a fall of a kingdom. It's massive. Well, yeah, it's also it's also law that's only kind of really lightly touched yeah. upon in the original the TV show. The ramifications could be bigger than the actual show we've seen. Yeah. Like, like the, 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 main, the main law that's referenced a lot in Game of Thrones is um, the Mad King Targaryen, which was yeah. like, what? 30 years before yeah, this. Yeah, failed yeah, exactly. as well. Not a good, not yeah. a good just leader. Because when, 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 when they said they were doing a prequel series it was going about the Targaryens, I thought, oh, they're going to talk about the Mad King getting deposed. It's like, oh, no, no, it's not. It's mm. much, much earlier much than that. Much earlier than that. And, uh, which I'm happy about. As then. a spoiler, you can put a clax in front of this if you want, but there apparently may be at least one death in the show. Oh. <laughs> Surely not. Wow. No way. Next. Uh, in relation to last week's pod, the Weird Al Yankovic biopic uh, had its trailer release with our Harry Potter star Daniel Radcliffe uh, playing the man it's himself. Nice to see Hollywood listening to us. 
Yeah, a trailer looks yes. uh, as mad as a bag of spatulas, to be honest. Which is exactly what I want from yep, it. Yeah, exactly. I really like Daniel you Radcliffe can't have a weird... well. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I like that Daniel Radcliffe's being weird with it. He's the new nutter, isn't he? He's a nutter. He's... He, he yeah, he's care. weird with everything. I love it. Yeah, I, 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 I still giggle every time I go into a, into Amazon Prime and I see like the thumbnail for Guns Akimbo there and he's just stood there with two guns taped to his hand looking like he's mental. Yeah, great. He did um, the Swiss Army Man as well, didn't he? Where he was yeah, basically the farting like... boy. Yeah, farting <laughs> cops. cops or something. So weird. <laughs> Bring it on, keep, keep him doing it. Keep, if you don't want to be Potter anymore, this is the way to do it. Everyone keeps <laughs> wanting him to play Wolverine. Mm. Like, he's he's not built for Wolverine. Ah, Have you seen him, on... though? He's, he's stacked. Yeah, that, weird, that weird Al trailer, he's looking pretty ripped. Yeah. But, on, no, but all you got to do Wolverine's is... wider than he is tall. <laughs> did you see what they did to... Yes, but uh... Wolverine's not drawn like a human person. He's, he's not human. Do you see what they did with the Eternals, what they did with them lot? Yeah, don't yeah, you see exactly. Kamal Nanjiani. Exactly. Let's not. Let's not. Went from from you, skinny nerd to like. If you get him like on that Marvel spot. training schedule, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I suppose. <laughs> suppose. Next, any more? Uh, yeah, um, everyone would be really happy uh, to know that um, Mrs. Brown Boys may be back. Is it? No, I'm not going down that route. Oh. Next, uh, BBC next. have announced uh, a yeah. sex education <laughs> star Shute Gatwa will be the new Doctor Who. He this. Scottish actor says he's deeply honoured to be cast as the Time Lord after finding fame uh, during the uh, Netflix comedy Sex Education, which I've not seen. No idea. He is fantastic in it. Good. He's fantastic in it. Truly is. I've, I've, I've very much enjoyed looking down Twitter today to see the amount of gammon yeah. kicking off. Who probably didn't watch Doctor Who in the first place? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't watched it since he's, David he's, Tennant. <laughs> I never watched it. I, I don't really care. If, like, it's fine. Cast whoever. Don't don't get salty because they they didn't ask you, mate. Don't get salty. They did ask me, but I committed myself to modern escapism. Yeah, that's where the big money is. <laughs> he's great. He's he's a great actor. He's very charming. He's very funny, and I I, I just like like the idea of, of 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 a very flamboyant, very gay black Doctor Who. That works for me. It works for me too. <laughs> Absolutely. Is that the news then, Biggie? Uh, that's the uh, news, and over to Oodles for the weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's raining sideways. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You want some? You want some soup? What kind? Chunky. <laughs> Chunky. <Junkie. laughs> My God, that's a 1999 reference. <laughs> I love that. We do that all the time. I mean, kids, yeah. it's this, but you go Chunky. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with the Nexus, Biggie. I believe you've done. F all, so you've got one little thing to chat about. Yeah, I saw The Batman, and it's very good. Really enjoyed it. Really cool. Uh, it's long, but enjoyed it anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, it looks great. Production is awesome. Soundtrack, everything that you guys have said. Go check it out. It's amazing. Good soup. Gadget? Uh, so I'm going to talk about, I, I brought this up a couple of weeks ago because I just started it, but I, I finished this week. Um, the the Girl Who Could Move Shit With Her Mind by Jackson Ford, which is a book I picked up in Waterstones purely on the title. Literally judged this book by its cover and its title uh, because anyone who can put a book out with a title like that must be doing something great. And you know what? He didn't. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> this was... Um... <laughs> okay, so so, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of preface that around that. So the book is, the book is about a, um, a kind of 20-something woman called Tegan, um, who 
as the book title says, she can move shit with her mind. She's got psychokinesis. Um, she works for a kind of very shady kind of government agency. She had a very traumatic past being experimented on by the US government, as anyone with superpowers would. You know, the US government would find you, they would test on you. It's it's their thing. Um, <laughs> but she ended she so she's working these doing kind of secretly spy things, and she basically means, you know, she can walk into places open locks without leaving fingerprints, hack, you know, put things in places where they shouldn't be. Um, and they do a job which goes badly, they make an escape, and then the next day the target who they were surveilling at this previous job dies in a way that only someone with psychokinesis could do, and obviously the old suspicion goes on to Tegan, and Tegan has fully believed her entire life she's the only one with this power. And there we go, that's how the story starts and goes. And the the thing is, the book makes a very, very good first impression. It's very funny. It's very witty. Tegan as a character is quite likable. It's one of those books that's written from the first person perspective. So you basically get most of her, most of her internal monologue. And some of it is incredibly funny or endearing or, you know, you feel bad for about some things. But then as the book goes on, and I found this a lot with people who do kind of pulpy sci kind of sci-fi fantasy novels, especially when it's kind of male writers with female characters. It gets a little bit torture porny in a bad way oh, because wow. because there is action happening around her and things happening like you know people are trying to kidnap capture her because of her powers and stuff like that. There is a lot of Tegan being effectively assaulted in various different ways. So like she gets hit by a taser, she gets hit by a car, she gets soldiers chasing after her, kind of gripping her and holding her down. And a lot of this stuff is written in fantastic detail but in a really uncomfortable way and i don't think it sticks the landing it wants to mm. um there is also there's a second perspective character in it that you you, you basically most of the chapters are, are based around tegan but there are some chapters based around another character and when it's his bit of the story it goes into third and second person writing which is really jarring to switch from first to third person like that it it just doesn't work for me um the and it, it, it also suffers that thing that I think a lot of action comedy books and films suffer with. When it, you kind of get to the last act, um, the the, swap, the the writer is not able to transfer from comedy to tension properly. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of quite horrific stuff happen in a really kind of kludgy way. Um, and it was really disappointing because it made such a good impression and the title is fantastic. But it just, it doesn't stick it. And I think the problem is, I think if... If Jackson Ford had written this as 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 um, the guy who could move shit with his mind, I think it would come off better because I don't think he's very good at writing women. Yeah, and especially with the amount of abuse that Tegan goes through throughout the story, I think it would have been a less uncomfortable read if it was happening to a man rather than a woman. Mm. Simply because it's a man writing it. Yeah, it's um, it's it's. I don't want to say it's like voyeuristic or anything like that, but it just it just seems excessive what she goes through, and he's having to push her through this story, and like he's constantly go she's constantly explaining like you know a psychokinesis takes from her energy, it takes from her physical energy to use the psychokinesis, and she's having to use it in bigger and bigger ways to get out of these these experiences. So it's constantly talking about how much in pain she is, how tired she is, how exhausted she is, and then bang, something else comes in, starts hitting her, and she's like being knocked to the ground by a flying mailbox or something like that. And then it goes on about how much in pain she is, and it's just like, how much of this book is this poor girl in pain for a really poor payoff at the end? And yeah. it's just like, yeah. I would I wouldn't recommend this book to people. Um, you doing it so we don't have to. 
Yeah, the guys, the, the guys written a series on these ones because I think the second book's called Random Shit Flying Everywhere or something like that. It's a shame because that um, title's a fucking banger. The title's banging. Absolute <laughs> 10 out of 10 title, but it's a proper 5 out of 10 book, which I'm really sad about. So it likes the word shit well, as yeah, well, by so, the way. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, uh, the Girl Who Can Move Shit With Her Mind by Jackson Ford. Don't read it. Solid save, 5 out of 10. It's shit. Yep, save your time and money for something else. <laughs> 5 out of 10 is not shit. 5 out of 10 is one of those. If you see it for 99p somewhere. Disappointing. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you can get it for free on Kindle Unlimited or something like yeah. that, give it a blast. But it's definitely not worth you putting some hard cash down for. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Cool. Stick. Yeah, I was going to talk about this last week. Um, had I not had to drop out uh, last minute. So I thought I'd bring it to this week. Um, I watched the season two of Russian Doll, which is a Netflix comedy drama show. It stars uh, Natasha Leon. Uh, the first series was a really, really good. Uh, it's about a girl who gets kind of, st- it's a Groundhog Day style thing. She gets trapped in a time loop and she keeps dying over and over again, no matter how many times she tries to, if she, if she tries to avoid the way she died before, she just dies in another way, and she's got to try and figure out how to get out of this time loop. It's done. It's really good. Like done really, really well. And so they brought it back for a second series, which I, after the conclusion of season one, I didn't see them doing it as a sec, getting a second series out of it. But mm. this time they've thrown a time travel element into it. So the show is set four years after the events of season one, and one night. Um, Nadia, is, uh, Natasha's character, gets on a train and ends up back in the eighties, but not nice. just in the eighties, in the body of her mother. That's when all the best people were born. And not Ooh, just her so mother. It's Freaky Friday. Her, preg- her pregnant mother. Whoa! 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 <laughs> I guess who all she's right, pregnant quantum with? Quantum leap. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, I'll gather yes. that one. Yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, she oh is basically she's put it sent back in time and she starts to discover things about the, she has not had a relationship with a mother and a, a relationship with a grandma wasn't great and she's trying to discover what happened to their family fort like heritage um like their fortune basically that her mother kind of stole and. Dwindled and everything, so she thinks that she's been sent it back in time this time to try and cre- like correct that and change things. And it's just a really good way of carrying on with this character. She's really brash and funny, and it, she's a proper woman out of time, obviously. But when she's she's sent back into the eighties, and the way she talks and moves is very two thousand. 22. Uh, yeah, because so there's, there's cadence with language and stuff like yeah. that that you've got to think about. That's clever. Exactly. exactly. And mm. she also like doesn't try and pretend the fact that she's in a different body, <laughs> which is really, which is really, which is really funny. Um, so it, she doesn't sit, like pretend that she's a mother. She talks to it like, oh yeah, like like she's herself, and she said, like, oh my yeah. mother, and everyone around is a bit like. The fuck are you talking about? But it just takes like weirder and weirder turns. There is further time traveling with takes her back to like Poland um, in the wow. war times and stuff like yeah, yeah, all this yeah. interconnected things to do with her and her family and her trying to flow about what happened with this with this fortune. Um, but yeah, it's really good. Like if you enjoyed season one, I, I think season one is a lot better. I would recommend like watching season one if you enjoyed that. Carried on with season two, but it's just a really good like human story at the, the heart of it all. Behind the the comedy and the absurdness of it, it's yeah at the core of it. It's really sh- like 
kind of deep human yeah. like, story. Yeah. Is that the best way I could describe it? But yeah, they're really good. Really good. Excellent. I, I, what we're going to do now, because me, Stig, and Candy went and watched the event of the month, really, I suppose. You could call it that. And um, we're gonna we're gonna triple tag team this. Um don't through worry. Through the medium of spoiler dance. F- <laughs> through the medium of <laughs> dance. <laughs> interpretive dance. You've got to watch it on YouTube for that now. <sighs> oh god, that hurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we um spoiler free. We're going to be spoiler-free. We're going to talk about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> so very quickly, Stiggy, have you not seen this? I haven't. Yes, I have. Oh. <laughs> I said he's getting involved in it. <laughs> Come on, adjust your hearing aid. Of course I have. I, I, I haven't seen it. Oh, I thought... Yeah, hasn't seen it. Answer. But he's planning on seeing it. And, and most people listening to this won't have seen it, so we're going to... Oh, it's, it's always spoiler free, yeah. Um, I, what, what, what I want to judge from you, Candy, first is um, what you thought. Did you like it? I was hoping you weren't going to come to me first because I think <laughs> from reading Stig's opinion in uh, our Discord uh, um, that we're going to disagree because I That's what I love. absolutely loved it. I, wow. It's gone straight into my top three Marvel films. Top three? Yeah. Wow. Um, it's only period. Oh, in the top ten, to be no, fair. I don't. I don't think it is because I thought to myself, I didn't hear that. I'm not going to pay any attention to it. When I got home, I was like, is it because I just watched it. Sassy candy is my favourite candy. Um, I loved the how bonkers it is. I loved the Sam Raimi ness of it. Um, oh, it is fully a Sam Raimi film. He you don't goes, like horror, I, I would say you won't you, like this. <laughs> yeah, actually, I will say that. That one of the first things I did when I came out of it was texted my friend who's taking her her youngsters to see it and said, um, there are some scary moments in it. So for younger kids, it's probably not suitable. I'm not letting um, my kids watch it. It's by far the darkest um MCU film so far, I think. Um but yeah, I just got there's actual gore in it. <laughs> yeah, all apart from I don't think they show any actual blood, do they? But yeah, there's there's scary, there's there's jump scares and there's violent bits, and yeah, it's not suitable for. I'd I'd certainly think twice for under twelve. Um, but anyway, I just love the absurdness of it in in pure Raimi style. Um, I loved the soundtrack. I loved some of the fight scenes, which I won't talk about because it's a really, um, really fun moment between Doctor Strange and a, a well, an enemy, enemy, shall we say, and <laughs> an it's enemy, an enemy. <laughs> And um, the the creativity of it and the soundtrack that goes with it, are just it kind it's of brilliant. It yeah, blew my hair back. That bit's one. It's probably it. my favorite bit. All in the, the film. all that stuff isn't the issue I have with it. Yeah, no. well, um, we'll get to you soon. <laughs> what I'll say is, I'm going into it complete. I haven't read any of the Doctor Strange comics, and I read up very little about it beforehand. So I'm not going with any kind of preconceived notions about what it's supposed to be, where the story's going to go. Um, to me, it was just the next film in the cinematic universe. So I, I really enjoyed it, not knowing, you know, what what might come of these characters. Mm, cool, cool. Well, I don't know if I don't know if Stig liked it less than me. I'm kind of in in the middle of it because I, I I gave it a non context three out of five. Yeah. Um, the story I the the main thing that I took from my trip to the cinema was I was naughty at the cinema because. I was at the front of the cinema because it's the only ticket I could get. 
and I saw a guy drop a massive blob of ketchup on the floor, and I didn't tell anyone, and I watched three people slip on it throughout <laughs> throughout the event. So that was and a highlight. I just sat there giggling to myself, and I thought, karma's going to get that, me. I that's could... Oodle's Doctor Strange review. People slipped in ketchup. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I genuinely, I, it, it is more of a Sam Raimi film than it is an MCU film. Uh, I get what they're trying to do, because they, they gave the MCU to Taika Waititi a few years back, and it rapturous applause, uh, my favourite one. And they seem to have done it. They did it with um, Eternals as well. They gave it to, what's her name again? Really Chloe Zhao. Yeah, really good director. And she tried to turn it into her own spin and people were saying, it feels like a DC film, and it did. Um, and then with this, it's definitely Sam Raimi doing that Sam Raimi. If you liked Spider-Man 2, if you like Evil Dead, I think you will like this. I, I would say I like certainly more Evil Dead than Spider-Man 2. Absolutely. There's a lot of Spider-Man 2 nods in now. it, though. A mm. lot of Spider-Man 2 nods. But um, yeah, if you like Evil Dead, you will. I think you'll, you'll give it an extra point. Um, in the grand scheme of things, I think the world is not ready for the themes it's projecting across to everyone. I think it's too much too soon. It's an it's a very important film in the grand scheme of things as well, judging from how it ended and stuff. But yeah, uh, solid three out of five for me. Stig? Um, well, I love Evil Dead. I yeah, no, <clears throat> love Spider-Man 2. I like Drag Me to Hell. I'm a big Sam Raimi fan. Um, I've never read any of the Doctor Strange comics, so again, I like Candy. I've no preconception of how this story should go or anything like that. And I thought it was fine. Like, I the visuals uh, in it are brilliant. Um, Wanda is fantastic. Elizabeth Olsen is just she's just front and center, and clearly the best thing in it. Um, She's just yeah, she's she's the driving force of this film by far. Doctor For a Strange Doctor Strange is, films, he, Doctor Strange is a substitute is, in it, isn't it? He's <laughs> just the least interesting he, character in it for me. He doesn't seem like the main character. That's the funny. Oh, thing. he definitely isn't. Um, he definitely isn't. I think that my biggest problem really is the story and the dialogue is really na- lacking narratively. Oh, the dialogue's to terrible. To me, it's weak. Uh, I prefer the Doctor Strange one film to this. Yeah. Um, yep. I also feel like. His relationship with Christine is just weak as fuck across both of these films, and it just doesn't. Com- it. it does not convey why he has that love for her. The only way you I don't can- think Benedict Cumberbatch has ever been good with love and romance and anything mm. he's ever done. Remember when he somehow fell in love with the, the bride in Sherlock? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's just shit writing. Um, <laughs> but for me, it's like like if you watch the What If episode of Doctor Strange. Yeah, that does mm. the be- that does a better job than the yep. both films Way have better. done. Way um, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff. About it. I, I don't necessarily agree that people aren't ready for multiverse and that. I think if it's just told well and done well, it's fine. But th- I think they could have done more with it. Yeah, I think they could have done less with it. That's 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 where we differ. I think it's there's a lot. There's a lot going no, on. I just don't think there's enough of it. I feel that I, don't, I just don't want to put people like gadgets going see it. I don't want them to be put off by it but I'm still going to go and see it I, I just don't think that there's much difference they always yeah. go from this world to that world to that world mm. they all feel exactly the same is it the multiverse of madness or the multiverse of mundane yeah you decide gadget where you go <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, oh, right, I, you so know Disney. people yeah. you know, people know that there is a cameo in there it's in the trailer 
Yeah. That, yeah. that was ruined by the trailer because you just yeah. sat there waiting, going, oh, waiting. This, is, this is where he turns up. Had they not put that in the trailer, that would have been a fucking incredible moment. So, See, I again, somehow missed that trailer. So for me... You was, lucky uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was exciting. Yeah, it was. But f- knowing that... Yeah, there's some other, other cameos Mar- that are Marvel really got good. A, ter- a terrible run of doing this kind of thing with um, their trailers, though. Yeah. Like, putting really impactful moments or impactful surprises into the trailer. It's not only that, but also Patrick Stewart posted on Twitter that he thanks... Whoa, the, whoa, whoa, spoiler alert! Are you already, it's in the trailer. If, in my opinion, if it's in the trailer, it's fair game. Yeah. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. But he, even he posted on Twitter, thanks for being involved in the movie. He did, before the film released. He did. Yeah, I just... Um, I was just disappointed for... I'm disappointed with his face so far, mate. The TV is killing um, it with this face for me, uh, the films. We've had one banger for me, that's it. It's not good, is it? It's not good enough. For me, personally. This is a film that's made me excited for the next phase because I just wasn't wasn't into it. I'm almost on kind of Marvel burnout. And then I saw this film, like, now I want to know what happens. Isn't this... And again, obviously, I haven't seen the film, so I'm not commenting on the quality of the film itself, but because, like this phase has been a bit up and down with the films itself. Is this not kind of like because they got to the end of the Infinity Saga and that was built up from Iron Man onwards? No. Some of the phase one, some, some of the phase one films were a little bit shaky and is it, is, is it not because they're setting up for the next three to phases me, or whatever? It feels this one's to me a bit shaky. like the best writers are doing the TV stuff. That's what it feels right. like to me. Because a lot of these a lot of these films like even stuff as, as as Eternals would have been better if it were better written, if there were a bit more. I don't know. They Eternals came, needs to be a TV series. Yes, not a film. they came out of nowhere, and it's not fair to do that to an audience. In my opinion, you can't just expect people to know who the Eternals are. I've learned that <laughs> coming into this as someone that does know what, what everything is. Like I was sat in the cinema watching this, and a certain thing happened, and I was like, "Ho oh, ho!" and no one else did. <laughs> 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 And I felt like a well, fucking idiot. This is also the problem where, they, where, where they're getting in outside of the... Because the, the, the Infinity Saga is pretty well known yes, by non-comic the people. Yes, the people. Yeah. yeah, but like this kind of multiverse stuff and they're bringing in the, the deeper, deep cuts. Oh, there's some deep shit in there. I, some I deep. love that. I just like, like, did a good job with it. Oh, no, I know, but like, you know, there's, there's a... Like, for instance, like, there's a film coming for... Is it Kang the Conqueror? Like, who the fuck knows who he is who doesn't read the comics religiously? It's, you know? You'll know who he is if you watch the shows. <laughs> well, no, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it, he's, he isn't out... Yeah. It, he's not one of the main Avengers what characters. What you've got so to no remember, and me and Stig have talked ad nauseum on this, nobody knew who Thanos was. Well, true, yeah. And he became everyone's favourite villain since Darth Vader. Get what I mean? It, this could that happen. Was, yeah. They just need that build up again. But the momentum on on this phase is just off kilter because all the good stuff is on the show. It's in the shows. One of the For biggest problems with these kind of movies, as well, is that when you have a villain, if you take something like Deadpool, the villains and that are shit. You know, it's sometimes it's not about them. The is villains it? aren't the star of but it. It's yeah, just it's, it's it's, Ryan Reynolds. It, yeah, but it's just trying to build up a movie. And I think sometimes when you're doing superhero movies, there's not enough time to get that plot done properly. They're rushing everything. Trust me, with Doctor Strange, yeah. it's not the villain that's the issue in that. In that no, film. I'm just talking in general. I just think there are issues that you have with superhero movies when they hit or miss. I think it's a lot to do with what they're trying to convey in that particular story in that short period of time that they've got. That's why the TV shows mm, work yeah. better because they're longer. They can deliver that. Yeah, me and Stick, me and Stick said that all the time when, I love on, these, on our show. I love the like six parters they're doing. They're not dragging it out to like <laughs> yeah, twelve yeah. or anything. Six but seems it's to be long enough for me. to get that story yeah. across, isn't it? 
especially when they're like an hour long as well. That's just the, just the extra kind of couple of hours you need, I think. Yeah, because I um people saying like I've been seeing people going on about oh De- uh, Daredevil's the best thing Marvel show that they've done, which could be a fair point because Daredevil is yeah. a really good fucking show. It's a really good show. But it's ten episodes, and at least three of the episodes could have been you, just like yeah. this is just filler, yeah. absolute yeah. filler shit. Totally I mean, agree with that. Every series, so yeah. the six part series is good, but I just back to Doctor Strange. I think for me, Loki and Spider Man Noah Home just did the multiverse kind of yeah. variant right. stuff mm. a lot better um, I don't know what it was I feel a bit broken that I'm kind of not enjoying this phase as much <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you mate don't worry without spoiling it are they, in multiverse man are they doing the multiverse stuff differently to how they did it in yes. Loki because I quite oh, yeah, I really like massively. the approach of doing it in Loki it's way different it's as if mm. it didn't make, mean anything right mm. yes exactly as because if, they've set they've set they've set up that mechanic in the TVA and in, in yeah. Loki. Well, forget that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I will say it's, it's worth um, watching a, a couple. Of, there's probably a couple of ones that you need to watch before. Obviously, Doctor Strange one. Um, yeah, One Division. I would yeah, One Division and probably What If as well. What If? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, Doctor Strange what episode of What If? At least. Just the Doctor yeah. Strange episodes, none of the other. You yeah. don't have to, well, you should watch the others anyway. Because they're really good. Can but. I just say one thing that I really did enjoy about this film, actually, and it's not really a spoiler because it kind of happens right at the beginning, is mm. when Doctor Strange is questioned about whether his one way was the yes, right way. was the right thing to do. He's, yeah. It's like people questioning, basically saying, this happened to me, this happened did to you like, have to? Did we have to lose five years yeah, of his did life? Was that the only way? Like, Yeah, I did like se- that. It seems to be quite... Everyone seems to know what happened, though, don't they? Like, that someone's jotted yeah. all this down about what happened in the battle and what happened with this and yeah. some historian seems to have managed to capture it's, everything it's, that it's happened around the Avengers. It's all on MCU Twitter, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's all on their Twitter. But I did <laughs> like that. I did like someone bringing up what they did. Yeah. Mm. What yeah. ramifications it had for the general public. If you haven't watched Doctor Strange, the first one in a while, Gadget, watch that before you see it because there's a lot of... All right. It's definitely a direct sequel from that. Fair enough. So, yeah, let's not bore people. God, I hate when we talk about MCU too much because people are like, I don't like it. It's the biggest <laughs> film out this week. Exactly, exactly. Get it and watched. You're inevitably going to do a spoiler cast of it next week. Potentially. potentially. I don't, me and Stig aren't really like that buzzing about it to do a spoiler <laughs> cast. That's the thing. See what you going, think, Gadget. I'll do, with, I'll do one with you if you enjoy it. We can it. all do I'd rather us all do one so we've got some positive spins on it. But, Gadget, I can right, tell okay. you one thing about this film. positive stuff about it. But. You will. You're gonna love the music in it. As a as a music man that comes from down your way, you're gonna fucking yeah. love all the music in this. What's, um, I mean, I, I mean, Elfman. I will say the the, Elfman, the, yeah. the, the, MC, the MCU stuff has generally gotten better and better with music over the years. This potentially might be my very favorite good soundtrack since since like Infinity War and Endgame. I fucking love yeah, so the soundtrack I, 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 in this. I said, I mean, I still listen to the uh, Loki soundtrack when I'm writing score cheap. Mm. Yeah, it's a great so soundtrack. What's well, so the uh, end credits? Not, don't obviously reveal it, but are they revealing sort of what's happening next? Is there an inclination? Yes. Well, I know what's, what's happening on? next, but there were a lot of people in that cinema going, what? Well, the first <laughs> one you definitely have like to watch, that. the second one not so much. <laughs> I mean, the second, I still, lo- I actually loved the second one. But if, I did. We've co- accustomed to now is, the first one after the first is the main one credits. That's yeah. the main thing. That's the thing that's and the one after the whole credits is a joke. And that's yeah. how they've done it since yeah, the Easter egg. 
Spider-Man Homecoming, I think. Or even back to the Avengers. Yes. That was just them sat around in the shawarma yes. restaurant. So don't be looking to the end one. You you can wait to see that one if you're not that bothered. But I enjoyed it being a fan of Sam Raimi and things. Yeah. What is next? What is next out? Movie wise. Thor. 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 <laughs> Come on, Tiger, bring it back. Bring it back, baby. Well, Miss Marvel's Woo! TV show first. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to love that as well. I know I am. Right. Main topic. Come on, Stig. What are we doing? So this was kind of brought on because of Picard recently, actually. Um, <laughs> it's really got in, got in your head, that Picard, hasn't it? It's fucked you off. <laughs> it's shit. And this is basically, <laughs> we're talking about things that have come back after a long time. Franchises or worlds that have been revisited after such a long break. And did it work? Didn't it work? Did we love it? Did we hate it? Was it necessary? Did it add anything to the story? or the characters, or was it just a simple cash grab? So, yeah, and Picard is really the driving force for this because it does not add anything to the story, and it's just pointless for me. Anyway, I don't want to rant about that too much, so Gadget, you tell us about what you have. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to take us back to the halcyon days of PC gaming. Um, to to the to the times when you had your little beige box on on your desktop and life were good, uh, because in uh, nineteen ninety eight, if you want to feel particularly old, a little game called Half Life came out. Oh yeah, I know that. All right. Developed by all right, wasn't it? About yeah, I'm sorry. Developed by I think it was about thirty five people. Hello, in Garden, Seattle. <laughs> yes, <laughs> two can't. voice actors in the game. I can't stop thinking about <laughs> Hello, Garden. Hello, Garden. <laughs> yes. Uh, and w- when Half Life came out, it kind of blew a lot of things out of the water um, because it was it was at a time when you know most of your first person action games were your Doom clones, and at the time Half Life was referred to as a Doom clone rather than a first person shooter. It's weird that but it, it did things differently. For instance, it was the it was one of the first games to do inline storytelling, as in you didn't get cutscenes in it. It's ambient, the isn't game, it? It's just constantly happening. Yeah, it's happening already. You can engage with as much or as little of the story as you want. Mm. Took me to my second playthrough to realize there was a story. Like I actually stopped, stopped and like listened to the scientists. Yeah, if you don't, if you don't run, if you're not running Half Life, because believe it or not, listeners, I really like Half Life One a lot. I know Half Life One's amazing. I think it's fantastic and probably the last good first-person shooter or first-person game I played on PC. Really, <laughs> back on the old cream box, like you said. <laughs> Yeah, when you when you when you're slow, when I am slow on these games, anyway, you've seen me playing Bioshock. I'm slow on first person shooters. Yeah, you you can you can listen to them chatting to each other and telling you. So it's really fucking clever. Yeah, there's, the game presents a lot of information in a way that you don't necessarily need to engage with it, but you can. Um, so that became a bit of a revolution, and it kind of changed the course of first person development, uh, first person game development, and actually a lot of action game development because a lot of games moved away from the idea of taking you into a cutscene to tell you a bit of story and just let you have story in situ. Um, then there was a bit of a break on it. There was about six years. There was a couple of expansion packs came out made by Gearbox and Raven. Um, but so then, Gearbox? I didn't know that. Yeah, Gearbox did Opposing Force. Uh, played, Randy Pitchford's first game. Blue Shift, is that? Is that yeah, Blue, yeah, Blue Sh- yeah, Blue Shift. I think Blue Shift was the Raven one. Or, or it might be Half-Life Decay was the, um, the Raven one. I got one. Blue Shift on a dodgy gold disc, remember that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Blue Shift was Gearbox. Um, Game as a yeah, pack with Half Life One, opposing force. Blue oh, Shift did it in a big box. And yeah, yeah. I think Counter Strike. 
I played yeah, a lot Counter of Counter Strike. Yeah. I played a lot of that because that's all I had. <laughs> so in uh, 2004, then, so a nice little kind of six year gap, Half Life Two was released, and this one changed gaming again. It it, it upped the uh, production values. I remember the first time loading it up and seeing that opening cutscene with the G Man kind of talking to Gordon, um, and incredible for the absolutely for the time, incredible. The graphics, it just looked amazing, it was, didn't it? But it it wasn't just the graphics; it was the facial animations, like seeing how the how they animated him talking to you. And but this one changed things with physics. Mm. It added like real time physics to the game, where physics were normally kind of pre programmed cutscene kind of things that happened within games. This one, I, I remember that first thing you're going through the train station, and the combined soldier comes and knocks the can over and says, "Pick it up." And it was just like, "Oh shit!" You can pick it up. You can throw it at his head. You can drop it in the, <laughs> in the bin. Everything. Like, yeah. yeah. Do you know I um. Bought a new PC just so I could play this game as, as the. So did yeah. I. <laughs> the best. What, what the best year was it? Sorry. Get. Again. 2004. You bought your own PC in 2004. <laughs> Someone's owning. Yeah. yeah. I was 19 in 2004. Well, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I weren't. <laughs> I think it was 20. Oh, sorry, 18. I was 18 in 2004. But yeah. Um, either way, I was, I was earning. Don't go there. Fuck. Um, Wow. And by earning, I mean wasting student loans. Um, <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And the, the following couple of years after that, you got the, the two expansion packs, Half-Life Episode 1 and Half-Life Episode 2, which left on a lovely little cliffhanger that they never resolved. So that's why people are crying then, isn't it? Yes. Yes. I didn't know there was yes. a cliffhanger. Yeah, there's a there's a very oh, big cliffhanger at the end of Half-Life Episode that. 2. Now, if someone had just briefly told me that, rather than telling me, you're a fucking wrong'un! <laughs> just tell me this. I mean, you are a wrong'un. Yeah, wrong-un. just tell me there's a cliffhanger and I'd understand why people are crying. That's that's terrible! So, yeah, so Half-Life Episode 2 ended on a cliffhanger. What? And then time passed. Yeah. Lots of time passed. Time. Until 13 years later, as the world was locking down into a pandemic... In March 2020, it was announced that Valve were releasing Half-Life Alex, <laughs> a virtual reality game. <sighs> and, I mean, we all lost our collective shit because, <laughs> wait, 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 hang on, no, Half-Life game made by Valve, it, it's real? Bringing back Alex Vance, who was the, um, the, uh, your, your, your companion throughout Half-Life 2, in VR? And I like I, I got my Oculus Quest like kind of late on in two thousand in twenty twenty specifically to play this. Like, granted, there's some great things I can play on the Oculus, but I bought it to play Half Life Alex as soon as I could afford it. Um, and it's incredible. It's so the the thing with each Half Life game is they've pushed technology forward in in a weird and unexpected way. So, like I said, with the first, that's why I kind of went through in the first Half Life. It was the method of storytelling. You know, like the levels weren't any more impressive than anything in like Unreal or Quake or anything like that. You know, they were kind of big, just lots of big boxes, some set pieces and stuff like that. But it was still, that was kind of the way the levels worked. But it was the way it told the story. In Half-Life 2, also Zen was terrible. Zen was fucking awful, the end level. Um, Half-Life 2 pushed things forward in terms of real-world immersion and physics um, you, it gave you a lot more tools to interact with the world, and it gave you a lot more realism in terms of character animations and faces. And then, when it came to Alex, like my, my computer is not particularly powerful. It is not the most powerful computer in the world. I don't believe you. It, it really isn't. It, I, I last upgraded it in twenty nineteen, um, and even then, it was it wasn't amazing in twenty nineteen. 
I put the headset on and I played Half-Life Alex, and it's like it's the most real-world game I've played ever. They, I don't know what they've done to do it, but even on my kind of like creaking old PC, it plays and looks like the real world. Like I, I don't know if you remember, I, I streamed it when I got my Oculus and I streamed an hour of it for us. Um, and there was a point where my Twitch setup in VR had started to go a bit squiffy. So I thought, oh, okay, I need to come off the headset and just change some settings. And I went to put the Oculus controllers down on a desk in the game. <laughs> you've like, you've clearly not played Gone. That's the most realistic game I've played on VR. <laughs> I've played Gone. <laughs> but but um but yeah, it's it's like it's so immersive and so realistic and so fucking scary. Mm. Like it's a it's a with I think without deliberately trying, apart from maybe one or two sections. It is the most horror horror game I've ever played. Really? There is, um, well, so you, you get a section quite early on when you're kind of creeping through um, the sewers, and you you come to a you come to a, a place in the sewers, kind of like an end point of it, where there is a, a person who's been caught by one of the limpets, you know, the things that hang from oh, the, the ceiling. Strings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, they're terrifying in VR. They're but, terrifying uh, on the original Half Life. <laughs> No, we're not worse than VR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when you, you get you, pulled up by you walk, you walk into Ooh. this room and it's it's sta- it's staged as basically you know this is a murder room because basically this this body is hanging from the limpet. There is a torch behind him, so he's in silhouette, and the rest of the room is dark. And you walk up to him, you pick up the key for the door that you need to get to. You turn around and you hear the sound of head crabs coming, <laughs> and I shit myself because it's it so little... set up for a scare. <laughs> Yeah. They're coming for you. Well, well, what you don't realise as well when you're playing Half-Life is head crabs are the size of a dog jumping at your head. In VR, that's awful. <laughs> you don't like spiders, do you? No, I do not. So the so the, so the black armoured ones, they poison you. They like they're spiders. even worse because they've got long spindly legs. Um, there, is, um, there is a sequence kind of later in the game where you have to meet Jeff. Jeff is awful. Jeff. Jeff is Jeff, a creature yeah. that has been mutated by the combine. You're not finished it, and no. Jeff is um, Jeff is a blind monster that can one shot you, and you find him in a bottle factory. Oh no! So you have to go and puzzle around while you've got this creature doing the bar, 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 kind of like random around looking for you, a little bit like um, oh shit, like any number of fucking horror is creatures like the, that happen is to it be like blind. The uh, old hero in Demon Souls. Yes, exactly like the old hero, but monstrous. Reference. Uh, if if you um, make a noise, for instance, like you need to get a key out of a cupboard, you open the cupboard and a bottle will fall out. Now, if you're quick enough, you can catch it using physics. Um, but if that bottle smashes, Jeff will come running. Oh, Jeff, no. <laughs> and Jeff will kill you in one shot. Is that shot. his name? Have you named him Jeff? No, no, he's called Jeff. <laughs> you named him Jeff. <laughs> That's a good name for a buddy, that. My name's Jeff. I was just going to say he's, that. He's, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's a, he's a mutated human. So the, 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 I think the level's called something like we don't, we don't Talk About Jeff or something like that. We don't talk about um, Jeff. <laughs> so, but, so Half-Life Alex kind of pushes everything forward in a way. And I'm, without spoiling anything for it, if you, if you can make it to the end of the game, because it's a, whew, getting to the end takes some fucking guts. Uh, but if you make it to the end of the game, it resolves the cliffhanger. Oh. There you go, Stig. What's stopping you? Time. I'm forgetting wow. about forgetting about it. <laughs> Elden Ring. Yeah. Gotta dust off um, that VR as well. 
I've played so some VR the, recently, actually, but Beat Saber and yeah, stuff. Yeah, fun. So the, uh, the the game is the game isn't developed by many people who were on the original Half Life development team because most of them have left Valve at this point. They died of old age. <laughs> the a lot of the kind of uh, primary development team and kind of uh, some of the more vocal people are the people who came in from Campo Santo when Valve bought them. Mm. And for, for podcast nerds, the people behind the Idle Thumbs podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it, and it was only made by about 50 people, which is incredible given the amount of detail in the I world. I have noticed this right. These VR devs, they're not massive teams, a lot of them, are there? Because it's no, such a no, niche this thing. A, this was a pretty small... Um, this, yeah, this was a pretty small kind of development team within Valve. Wow. Um, and it's, it's utterly incredible. It actually pushed adoption of um, VR headsets into the mainstream. Of course like, it did. If, 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 you look at, if you look at the stats before Alex was announced and after Alex was announced, the amount of VR headsets on PC VR that, so, um, was minimal. Like There was a hardcore kind of user base um, but like, as soon as that game, as soon as the game was announced, and people were like, "No shit, this is actually real," you know, this is the closest we're getting to Half Life Three. Um, you couldn't buy a headset for love and money. Valve released their own one, the Valve Index, priced at a grand for the whole setup. Oh, glad you bought one. No, I, no, I don't have an index. <laughs> I, I, I have a Quest, um, and like that sold out instantly. And there's you know? been nothing since. No other games since on the. Uh... No, it's it's the only VR game. <laughs> the only uh, VR game. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a game that the way it was absolutely justified with it. Mm. If you've got the the testicular fortitude to get through it, that is. I I, I only got through it by putting on God mode and infinite ammo. It was just one of those <laughs> things. That, Mate, because there's the, no shame in that. Well, yeah, it's and it's simply because it's the head crabs. I'm so scared of them. <laughs> um, I would literally, I would literally be so. That there's there's three cheats that you put on: God mode, infinite ammo, and there's no reload. Because with it being in VR, to reload, you've got to cock the gun, you've got to pull the bullet out, put the shell back in, cock it, and that kind of thing. I literally walked into every room, just blasting the shotgun like Danny DeVito, just fucking yeah. I started blasting, <laughs> just making sure that nothing moved. When I stop firing, if anything else moves, I start firing again. <laughs> <laughs> what I do when there's an actual spider oh. in my house as well. Can't yeah, wait. oh, same here. Can't wait to see Gadget and uh, Laser My quest. landlord hates me. Just shooting everything I'm inside. fine with Laser Quest. It's just these fucking headcrabs. Because uh, it does that thing as well. If you if, if a headcrab zombie's coming towards you and you kill it, the head the headcrab can sometimes jump off and jump at you. So well, what would you just do like, oh, just if, like, if you went to Laser Quest and then Steam came out, headcrabs unleashed, headcrabs unleashed. <laughs> what would you do with that? <laughs> Just put the put, put the gun to my head and hope the, the laser gun enough. to my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it was absolutely worth the wait, and it, it did move on VR significantly. Like this, it's the biggest budget, the biggest and the highest production value VR game still to date. But it's pushed a lot of developers into looking into more VR stuff. Like, I'm really excited to see what, in response to this, what comes out for like uh, PS VR two, and like the investment that's coming into that and. Uh, you get stuff like where people are experimenting. You get you can do Hitman Three in VR now, and can you? Uh, people are yeah, yeah. Hitman Three VR. Oh is a shit! Thing. I might get a PSVR too. Just 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 so I'm there from from the ground up, and then mm. I can be invested in it. Cause yeah. I was so late to the party on the last one. Yeah, so it 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 made a lot of people very excited for VR, and also proved that there is a market for it. So yeah, it it was definitely worth the wait. <laughs> cool. I just need to get it finished. <laughs> 
You do. You absolutely do. Nothing to do with it. I need to scared. desperately talk to you about the end of the story. Yeah, it's nothing to do with anything to do with that. Like that kind of he stuff doesn't, doesn't bother me. It says just, that, listeners. No, I don't, honestly, that stuff doesn't bother me. It's um, two reasons. Is mainly I just keep forgetting. You have to set it up and things like that, which isn't that hard, much of a heartache, but it just makes me feel a bit sick. Yeah, I play it too long. Yeah. So do you do smooth movement or teleport? Uh, both. Because I, I was I was struggling with motion sickness. I like the, the teleport. Yeah, but I, I kind of like I like it. Prefer it to be most. I know it does make me feel a bit more sick, but it makes me feel a bit yeah. more immersed that when mm. I'm moving rather than like oh jumping from. Mine, the only time I use teleport, three D treadmills from and one place to another. I need to. Yep. Yeah. If get yeah. them three D treadmills and play it properly. Like, oh yeah, that would be nice. But they're a grand. Um, You've got a grand. I ain't. Um, but <laughs> listeners, if you go deep down on, in our YouTube channel, there's an hour of me playing the game on Twitch from the start. And Is if this you ever shit? I'm going to watch that. <laughs> you were watching it live. Oh, right. How <laughs> <laughs> drunk if, was I? <laughs> very. I mean, to be fair, it was in twenty. It was twenty twenty. We were we were pretty new at this. Oh, um, but if if you if you go back and watch that, you will hear me at least for the first twenty minutes of the game giggling like a school child. Walking through City 17, having the walkers moving around, like being really overwhelmed by the size of the dropships and stuff like that. Yeah, I think I remember then, this. Did you start and then off nearly on like a shitting myself or when? Something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You start off on a balcony. Yeah, I think I remember doing that. Nearly, nearly shitting myself when the combine arrest me because that's not pleasant to have a combine soldier like tasing no, you in no, the chest. No, it's not. That's, that's... <laughs> oh, it's great though. Like the just stuff they've done with it, so good. Even just like picking up pens. Like, I was like at one point as well, walked into rooms the piano. Just you just write on the whiteboard. Piano. That's why he's not beat it. <laughs> he's doing he's doing calculations is, on a whiteboard. The, the world's completely uh, interactable. Like it's so much. I like drawing cocks, but yeah. <laughs> of course, you drew a cock. That's the first thing you draw. Yep. <laughs> Big old wanger. <laughs> <laughs> right, excellent gadget. That is perfect. Um, so, Biggie, what about yourself? So yeah, Fallout Two uh, came out in 1998 as a role-playing video game developed by Black Isle Studios and published by Interplay Productions. Um, it was very similar to the previous game, which was out a year earlier. Um, it was that isometric role-playing sort of strategy RPG. Um, it looked fine. It was quite funny, um, very popular. And then um, there was a big gap. Um, Fallout 3 um, was eventually developed by Bethesda after they took the rights away from Interplay Entertainment. Uh, I'm sorry, I've just realised I've forgotten the date of uh, when Fallout 3 came out. We'll just find it for it's 2008. 2008. 2008, thank you. So, yeah, um, it was completely different. Blew a lot of people away, upset a lot of people as well because it took a completely different direction. I fucking loved three. I fucking well, loved it. Um, I only played a little bit of Fallout 1 um, and I saw a friend playing Fallout 2, if I remember right. But yeah, just it completely different. It went into the 3D realm, first person view, um, although it can be played in both third person as well, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just it was released um, worldwide in October on uh, Windows, PlayStation 3, and Xbox 360. What I love about this game, um, as soon as you, you, the tutorial is sort of set with you as a kid, born, you uh, see your father sort of talking to you, um, you learn how the movement Not just works any in dad. The games. It's the, the Liam Neeson's of dads. Liam Neeson dad. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it, it was just a really nice, simple but clever tutorial. And then once you eventually step out of the vault um, into the world wide, the world wide, what's wrong with me today? The wide world. Um, yeah, it was horrific. 
It was just horrific. Um, it's it, my favourite vault opening that they've done that one. On it's three. brilliant. It has that really long, drawn out of the gears pulling back. So and, mm. Yeah, I tried it again in four, and it wasn't the same. No, it, it wasn't. was still pretty good in four. They the reveal moments are quite good, I think, with the Fallout games. I prefer. It wasn't one in New Vegas that much, was there? Because you just you don't start in a vault in New Vegas, do you? No, you just start in a grave, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler yeah. alert for the beginning of New Vegas, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, because the the viewpoint was so different, um, it just got you into that world immediately, and it's a horrific world because literally around every corner there was some danger of some sort, some weird character that you would meet. And um, if you go onto uh, the internet and just search around for the horror stories of all the various vaults that are scattered around the map, there's some really dark stories written into this. There's cannibal ones and stuff in That's there. Good. I love the Garys. I think the Garys was in Fallout Garys 3. Garys is great. Did some... you not, um, Sorry, you're, you're talking about the Fallout gap. Did you not play Brotherhood of Steel in between on the PS2? No. We don't talk about Brotherhood of Steel. That's definitely not a Fallout game, but it's a Fallout game. It so, is. Uh, it's definitely not a good game either. No. no. Uh, and, I, uh, no the I DLC was Fallout called Brotherhood of Steel in this. Yeah. Yeah. And um so I, I never played Fallout 2. Never didn't know what it looked like. I'm just looking at it now. These are completely different games. Yeah. Yes, they completely are. Completely different games. Like, like Shadowrun and games like that. That's insane that it's just the the, the direction that's gone. The jump. And in <laughs> like, fact the art yeah, director so of the different. original game is very yeah. upset um about the direction that Fallout took. Well they made Wasteland instead. And then they made it? Wasteland, which is back to the sort of the way it used to play. Yeah. But I mean it's good as well. I fell in love with this game. I, f- I literally walked every single foot of that map. I wanted to discover everything I could find, whether it was bobbleheads that you could collect for extra perks, whether it was the Nuka Cola bottles that you want to get hold yep. of. And I had a, a little base at Megaton. Is it Megaton? I remember right. Megaton, yeah. yeah. I had a little yeah, yeah. base there I, and a little room I, I there and I was decorating there. it. With I didn't the, have a base there either. There was nothing left. <laughs> so, they all oh, turned on me. Penny tower bitches. <laughs> there was nothing left there. Because <laughs> you had that wonderful choice Bye. whether to set off a nuke in Megaton or not. As if I'm not going to set off a nuke in a game. Are you crazy? <laughs> you, know what, you know the only reason I set a nuke off is just because I wanted to see what it looked like. I did too. Same. I was like, I I got, it looked this incredible. looks good and it, then it did. You know what? I didn't even oh, get yeah. that far. It been a, I, I went back I to myself. Playing it for a couple of weeks, and then I um I was in Megaton when I kind of respawned, and I, I couldn't remember the button, so I was pressing stuff, and I accidentally stabbed somebody, and then they all turned on me. <laughs> you should, then you should have gone and nuked him. Then I did. I just oh, I just want to roll back on what you just said there, Biggie. You save scummed. I did. I wanted to did see you? what happened with the Megaton. Oh, you can't it. make a decision oh. like that and then go back on Mate, it. Yes, you you I've never save scummed in I my did. entire life. Because I just and wanted I'm, to see I'm what happens. And then vehemently against safe scumming. <laughs> I hate people when they do it for trophies. I hate people when they do it in game. Just stick to your decision, like real life. Role play. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Terrible um, man. I, I, because I got the Game of the Year edition, I think it was. So I was a bit late to the party because, again, I wasn't really a big fan of the original game. So hearing so many good things about it, I ended up getting that. So obviously it had all the DLC and you know, I remember right, all the DLC was already there on the maps, literally depending on where you Mothership went. Mothership Zeta, yeah. that was and so good. Unlocked things, yeah. The the mothership. Um it was fantastic. I loved the I, I loved the pit. The pit the was pit fantastic. The pit was pit. so good. I didn't expect it to be that big. Yeah. And yeah, and the no, DLC was were massive. <sighs> Absolutely massive. So it was totally value for money, um, without a doubt. 
Um, the VAT system was great, uh, where you could either you know shoot as as if you were playing a first person shooter, or you could use VATs sort of slow the game right oh, the down. The kind of turn based ish wasn't it? Yeah, and you, well, the it was still there because moving. the shooting mechanics in the Bethesda engine is terrible. It is, it Any is. mechanics in that engine's terrible. <laughs> and uh, Todd Howard, thanks for that. Um, but yeah, the uh, the VATs technique was fantastic. It was great to slow everything down. You could target parts of the body. Um, there was tactic to it as well because it, it made your weapons worse, didn't it, when you used it? Yeah, I was a big fan no, of no, you, the... You, there was always weapon degradation in it. Did it even even if you didn't use VATs? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. Just, I'm sure there was a boost to it. If, if you used VATs, you degraded quicker or something like that. Sure it is. I, prove me wrong, listeners, please. <laughs> and then uh, the perks that you could pick up um, were all sorts of things. We had little sort of mini powers where you were immune to radiation. Lead belly. The um, what was the is it the unknown stranger or something? I can't remember his name. The yeah. name. mysterious, mysterious stranger. stranger. He used to, to whistle and then it just one he shot was at everything. Great, he was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. dun, 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 dun. Especially because obviously it was nice for him just to turn up in a normal battle, but when you're actually struggling, you're about to die, and then he turns up. It's like yes. He mm. was dressed like the guy in Thor, the robot guy. Wasn't yeah, he? it was like a, he looked detective. like a spy, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. detective. Yeah, spy. Which gives you, gives you a very nice little sub-quest if you pick Mysterious Stranger in Fallout 4 and you've got Nick Valentine with you. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you get little bits of dialogue because um, one of Nick Valentine's quests is to find the Mysterious Stranger. And so like, if he pops if he pops up in the middle of a VATS fight and, um, yeah. and you'll get you'll, you'll get a voice from Nick going, damn it, I saw him again and I missed oh, him. Oh, that's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> don't make me try and play Fallout 4 again because I don't want the beginning again. Oh, <laughs> But yeah, I, play it on PC and mod the beginning out of it. Yeah, mod the fucker out to get rid. <laughs> but I love it. It will this run game. on my laptop. I absolutely got everything I could get out of that game and was thoroughly Fallout full. Oh, it's a banger. It's a and really banger. To the point, unfortunately, that when Vegas came out, I couldn't play it because I just had done too much Fallout. There was a little gap. Vegas Fatigued came yourself. Out. Yeah, and I still yeah. to this day have never gone back to playing Vegas. One day. Oh, I, mate. Oh, Vegas is so Vegas. special. Mm. So it's actually New Vegas is the superior game because good as Fallout Three is, yeah. New, Ve- New Vegas has that obsidian writing to it. It's so special. Got Chris Avalon writing. Oh, it's so good. I do feel like I should. I've still got the same. Like I can always go back to it and maybe just start again. Who knows? But I fucking in, love New Vegas. It ran like shit though. It did. <laughs> yeah, it runs fine now though. Especially oh, probably, yeah. Mm. But in uh, November 2015, Electronic Entertainment Design and Research. Uh, had a look into how many copies they think it sold, and they reckon back then it was 12.4 million copies. Um, not only that, but yeah, the fans were very unhappy, uh, the big diehard Fallout fans. There was um, a support network, I think they were called, a fan site called No Mutants Allowed, criticised the direction it took from the originals. But obviously I guess they were sated when uh, Wasteland came out. Uh, Fallout. I don't know when, when. As soon as you said that, I had a picture of what those people looked like. I think we can all agree they all look exactly the same. <laughs> and uh, for, the, 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 the people, people on a bulletin board like, pining over a ten-year-old game. Yeah, I bet they look like a comic book nerd, comic book guy from Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. actually. <laughs> and a Fallout Three Worst won Fallout ever several awards uh, back then. Um, IGN gave it sort of game of the year, and GameSpot gave it best role-playing game, and so on. And eventually, um, it actually has been, uh, where is it? I had it written here. In 2012, Fallout 3 was exhibited in the art of video games at the Smithsonian yeah. American Art Museum. 
And in November 2015, it's been made available on Xbox One via Xbox Live as part of the um, titles dedicated to the backward compatibility. So it's it's available to everybody everywhere if they want to play it. It's rated. I bet that runs really nice on Xbox, doesn't it? Yeah, it came 10 in the top 100 RPGs of all time list. I mean, it's just, it's beautiful. It's a lovely game, and I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. But yeah, what a direction it took from the original. Mm. Totally. It's the first one on Game Pass. Yeah, I think they're all on Game Pass now. Yeah, everything mm. is pretty much. No, I've, yeah. never played the first, I've never played the first two. I need to play them. I, I, I like two. I like two a lot. I wasn't massive on one. Mm. I thought it were too difficult. But two yeah, that's what really everyone good. says. Apparently, in the instruction book, is basically like a big tome. Oh, yeah, it's like yep. D&D playbook. It's fucking ridiculous. But two's it's a, well, really it's, good. It, they're both old school CRPGs. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, it's the same... It's like going back and playing Baldur's Gate now, you know. It's yeah. just like it's fucking I, I hard. Icewind Dale. <laughs> oh yeah. So like, but they are worth playing. I played through one and two a couple of years back. Yeah, I like them. And it took a while. Yeah. It they then there's not much in those games, but they're really fucking long. Mm. But you, can, so you can also play dense of things uh, to do. Waste Wasteland because they're just as good. Yeah. Writing's yeah. not as good, I don't think personally, but yeah, yeah I mentioned it before. Bangers. I was disappointed with Fallout Four. I. I've enjoyed it a little bit, and it just—it didn't feel like it was much more of a step up from three, in my opinion. But again, maybe I should revisit. It's it. just that beginning, that beginning of the game. Like the first ten hours is dull, and then yeah. it opens up and becomes a really good game. That's the problem. You got to get past the um, the what what the what's his the narrative the, the, the narrative. What what are the guys? The guy with the, him with the cowboy hat. Minute men. Um, yeah. God. Fuck off! <laughs> Fuck off! But apart from what happened with seventy six, it's been very quiet since then about what they're going to do with this franchise. Seventy six to see what happens. banger, isn't it? Apparently, do you know what? I would be <laughs> surprised if we don't see anything around June to do with Fallout because there's a TV show coming out. They started filming it, and they would be. I think they'd be silly to not at least have some remasters coming out around the same time as that TV show. So Just maybe, get three redone, maybe. yeah, yeah. Well, just 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 redo three in New Vegas in the Fallout One Four engine. Package. Yeah, that'd suit, that'd suit me fine. Well, that's yeah, already been modded, package. haven't it? They they've already done yeah. New Vegas in uh, in the Creation Engine just by uh, modders. But yeah, they need an official one, and I th- I would I'd be very surprised. Or not do if it something... in the Creation Engine. Yeah, ideally, <laughs> it, it needs to go back to <laughs> Any the single but... player game. It, it can't go multiplayer again. I think that was a massive faux pas. Mate, people still play seventy six. It's got a market. It's got a. It's got a. Yeah, it's got a community. I played it hardcore for about a year and a half, and yeah, people play it. It's got yeah. It's got, it's the, the Fallout it's got more first. players than uh, Halo multiplayer at the moment. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> There's nothing to, that tempts me back to it. Put it that way. I played it. I got as much as I could out of it, and no, not anymore. I've had enough. I've learnt my lesson. <laughs> Great. Good one, a very good one, that biggie. Um, I'll show go next. Um, I'm not bringing a game. I'm talking about a novel or a series of novels. Um, so in 1995, Philip Pullman brought the first novel of his Dark Materials to the world in the Northern Lights. Subsequently, The Subtle Knife and the Amber Spyglass in 97 and 2000. Uh, they are outstanding pieces of work, uh, especially for like, young people, young children uh, novels. It tells the story of Lyra and Will as they kind of hop between worlds, trying to evade the magisterium. It's just basically their version of the church. 
Uh, and it involves things like witches and armored bears and the specters and weird cow-like creatures rolling around on big nuts. It sounds cra- it's crazy, but they're... What? <laughs> <Yeah>. what? <laughs> <laughs> Say what? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just... It is such a great in interesting book. So it just mixes all kinds of weird kind of you know narnia-esque things in with Ooh. this story of oppressive churches and governments and lyra is kind of stuck in the middle of all of this because of mainly because of the power that she has to read this the lithiometer and the stuff that her dad's doing and who her mother's connected to and it kind of goes in places which a children's novel you wouldn't expect. There's some mm. real big themes in there, especially in the third novel when it starts to talk about angels and God and demons and that kind of thing. And we must kill God. Pretty much. <laughs> I do like, I do, no, I do, I do like that trope. I know it is a trope, but I kind of enjoy it. Uh, enjoy but it. what drew me about this as well was not just the world that it's set in, is that Lyra comes from a world where you have what is known as a demon, which is, in essence, a kind of part of your soul, but it it manifests itself in an animal who is always with you. And because mm. she's only young, I think at the time she's twelve in the in the novels, her demon hasn't taken its form yet. So Pantalaimon can change forms, so he's constantly changing between different animals. But it's just. It's really interesting when you when she meets adults and stuff in terms of what their demons are and what they've settled on. Does she and know yeah, the name of like, the demon and remember it? Who? Wow. I can't believe you're pulling that reference. <laughs> What's that? It's a Scott Sheep He's reference. Scott Sheep. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's why Candy's being quiet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Into my chair. Yeah, yeah. That's I the most meta the of references. <laughs> listen to episode 23 of Scott Sheep if you want to yes. understand that. Yes, yes, definitely. In fact, no, listen to them all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I never. That's specifically, that joke is in 23. So, so I never read these novels uh, when they first came out. Um, I remember seeing the Amber Spyglass being advertised in 2000 and looking at it and thinking it looked good. My mum had kind of recommended it to me as well. So I've seen that book cover years. Yeah. You know, when it first came out, it's a very, very iconic book cover. And when you see them all together as well, it looks fucking brilliant. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I picked up the first one, read through that, read through the second, read through the third. Absolutely love them. I've listened to the audio versions of these. They are done in a... Um, like play, like like their voice actors and everything. Yeah, it's performance rather than just like someone reading the novel. I've got them lined up really on, on my uh, Audible. I've had them lined up for about a year now. I've, I've got I used them with my credits. And yeah, they've done. I just st- need to get to them. Stage adaptations of it. Obviously, New Line Cinema did a terrible <clears throat> film of it in two thousand and seven. Yeah, we've not talked about that before, have we? Yeah, where we have <laughs> ranted <laughs> about it. Uh, but yeah, and then currently we are currently the third series um, from the. BBC slash HBO adaptation is on its way later this year. You liked that, didn't you? Yeah, really liked it. I, I thought he's yeah, yeah, like brought it to life really well, like really well cast. Um, is Daniel Craig back on it? Uh, no, it's James McAvoy. Always. Oh, oh, I like yeah. a bit. Of he McAvoy. plays that character better than. Um, yes, he does. He did anyway. Much it better. still didn't hit for me, but it was better than the film. Oh, I like yeah. McAvoy. He's really good. I'm I might like to read. I, I, I don't know. He listens to the show. 
I'm un- unlikely to read the books. Is, is it worth me checking out that TV show? Yeah. If like, I, I really like the TV it, show. I like the adaptation. I don't read. Don't have time. I can't read. But yeah, so that kind of finished in 2000, and then he did like a little kind of follow-on story. It's this tiny book. Um, it's not even a novella. It is literally it's like an epilogue. Yeah, like a separate little book called Lyra's World, which mm-hmm. kind of just tells the, the just how she's feeling after the events of the third book. And that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Don't really get any more. And then he announced that he was coming back to that world. Uh, with the Book of Dust. So in 2017, we got the first Book of Dust, which was called La Belle Sauvage, which is kind of a prequel. Well, it's not kind of a prequel. It is a prequel. So it is set when Lyra is a baby, and it focuses on Malcolm, who kind of ends up having to take care of Lyra due to various things going on. She ends up just being in his possession like he has this baby Mm -hmm. and he does everything he can to protect her and that is kind of setting up where the story then goes after in the second book so is this the guy in the arctic at the beginning no so this is is that somebody else i've seen that film but i just can't remember nothing to do with that that that, all right these these obviously these books have come out 17 years after the the novel's yeah, finished, so yeah. the, the character Malcolm was never conceived back then. He is a brand new oh, character. Uh, and it, it just kind of sets the tone and who Malcolm is and what his connection to Lyra is. And every and he's kind of a protector for her. And then The Secret Commonwealth is the second book that came out in 2019, and that takes place after the events of His Dark Materials. And this is kind of where we <clears throat> pick up from Lyra on her continue with her story and dealing with the after effects and kind of the trauma of that and what happens between her and a demon in it. And I really don't want to spoil it um, because it is a massive thing that happens between them. Uh, But suffice to say, they aren't getting on at all. Um, There is conflict between the two and it just develops the story further. It pushes on the story uh, as you'd imagine in this, like, the magisterium, the people like that, they're still around. You know, they, they are, as I say, they are essentially just the Catholic Church. You know, they, they might, yeah. you might, they might have done something in this part to defeat a section of it, but as a whole, it is still a huge thing around the world. So there's, they're still in there, kind of causing her problems. It pushes her out of Oxford and into the further into the world, like across Europe and into what is essentially the Middle East. Um, but just telling the story along the way, and I really, really enjoy them. Um, it's a worry when you come back to a story like this, especially so many years down the line. Was it worth the wait then? Because I know it wasn't exactly the 17 years for you. but Yeah, because it's one of those ones where I actually would... I have a problem sometimes with, with novels. When they end, I still want more. I still want. Same. I want no, more. Same, I want to be with those characters again. I want to be back in those worlds. You're with them for a long time. That's the thing. Yeah. Even if the, even if the story is concluded, and really there isn't yeah. anything to tell, I, I want to know what happens next. I want to know where they've got. Imagine what, you, what you did on Last Harry Potter. I bet you were crying. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> I'd still love more of that, but obviously we won't get that. You know, it's fuck all about that. <laughs> seriously. No. no. Um, but. Uh, 
yeah, I, I really like just being back in that world because I, I love the kind of the world that Lyra comes from. Uh, this one is set in her world this time. So again, there is people with demons and all kind of things going on. You're meeting a whole new uh, cast of characters. Uh, we're finding more about what dust is, uh, what this rose oil is, this new kind of MacGuffin, if want for a better word, but it kind of is. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a story that I lo- absolutely loved as a child, and um, yeah, the mm-hmm. wait for more of the stories in this world was well worth it, in my opinion. I don't know whether you've read them, Candy, or not. No, I've read the the original three. I haven't read any of the new ones. I did have um, Lyra's Oxford. Um, I think I must Oxford. have read it. I yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember it like the original three. But, no, Lyra, um, remember- Lyra's Oxford is not much. It's just a kind of a little story to say this is what Lyra's doing now, and then it ends. Yeah, yeah. I remember I I got into it after the third one was released because it was the third one that was getting all the um, attention from all the awards and everything, wasn't it? He won he won best book of year and stuff, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, it, it did Times really really well. And stuff. I think that's yes, where a lot of people smashed. jumped onto it. Yeah, it's kind of been like viewed as one of the most important novels of the last seventy years yeah. for children. It's like within yeah. the top 10 list or something of that. I think I think my, my nephew, they're reading it at school. That's how important these are now. They've become the new, you know, when you do it in English and you're mm. like, when I, when I was younger, it was Lord of the Rings. I won't be doing that now. Yeah. It's too long for teachers to read. I, 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 <laughs> I can understand why, though, because some of the themes it. that it deals with. Sorry, Stig. No, yeah. I was going to say, I'd be happy for to read it to my eldest now or for her to read yeah. it, yeah. Even though the themes yeah. are, like Candy was saying there, some of the themes, are, they are quite hard-hitting, but there are... They, Actually, really important. But sometimes, if you're there reading it to your daughter, you can explain. Mm. You can add context to things, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's a good it's a good moment. Good Having things to add. Good me. What happened there, Daddy? Shit kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's reading it to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but just in terms of these novels, it is set, you know, kind of ten years after the Dark Materials. So we're now seeing Lyra in like adulthood um as she's kind of she's been at the college and learning you know her education and stuff and then events have kind of led her out to go somewhere yeah. else uh so now we're getting a completely different lyra like one that's a bit more you know she was always kind of brash and and fearless as a 12 year old so now as a 20 year old mm. she can handle herself a lot better than a 12 year old can so it's interesting yeah. to see that different dynamic but yeah, oh. I I just yeah really looking forward to the third one whenever that comes out because there is no set date for it yet. Never rush an offer, a good offer. I've always thought that. Yeah, you say it. that, but I'm still waiting on a lot of other novels to come out. Yeah, yeah and hopefully I'm, I'm they will be worth the wait. But I'm not sure whether I'm wait for a ten year one. Winds of Winter is going to be worth the wait. <laughs> oh, no, it's not. No, it's never going to live up to it. Like it. It's never coming out. That man's going to die before that book comes out. <laughs> Can you imagine that yellow that pages advert? Uh, which book yeah. are you looking for? Yes, it's George R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Candy, what have uh, you got? So, uh, second, not second, sorry, third Doctor, in fact, we've uh, spoken about this evening. Doctor Sleep. Um, Doctor ah. Sleep is the sequel to The Shining. Red rum, red rum. And um, what I'll be chatting about actually is the films rather than the book. Um, so it's worth noting oh. that while I have read the novel of The Shining, I haven't actually read Doctor Sleep. So actually, if any listeners, I like that novel. 
Well, if any of li- any listeners have read both and they they've got opinions to add, then just please write in because I'll be interested to know how important Did it is like actually to read the Shining book. book. Yeah, it's I just really very different like from it. the film, isn't it? I think that's what ruined it. I watched the film first, mm, which yeah. is how weird. How does it differ? Massively, yeah, really. <laughs> I'll get in every into aspect. that. Actually. Yeah, I, I'm going <laughs> to in every that. aspect. Really, doesn't the hotel blow up in the book? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, so The Shining um, film was released in 1980, famously directed by Stanley Kubrick and supposedly hated by Stephen King. Um, it was it was his film after the moon landing, wasn't it? Was it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> was it? Fuck. I'm in your camp. Fuck. Never happened. <sighs> I'm joking. It did. Anyways, um, so yeah, hated by uh, Stephen King. Uh, Doctor Sleep was released in 2019, and it was directed by Mike Flanagan. Um, so there's a gap of 39 years, 40 years almost. Uh, Mike Flanagan, oh, by the way, if you're unfamiliar, he recently directed um, those TV shows, uh, Midnight Mass and um, Haunting of Hill House as well. Mm, so he's um, Midnight Mass. I should check that out. Lo- loads of really good horror director. Um, mm. So the plot, and this is taken from IMDb, reads, Years following the events of The Shining, and now adult Dan Torrance must protect a young girl with similar powers from a cult known as the True Knot, who, play on ch- who prey on children with powers to remain immortal. Years after the traumatising events of the Overlook Hotel, Dan Torrance is now an alcoholic struggling to find a job. He moves to a small town in New Hampshire and becomes Dr. Sleep. He then meets Abra Stone, a teenager with the brightest shine he's ever seen. Um, the shine being his like psychic, psychic powers, so she's got the same psychic powers as he. Um, when he learns that a cult of evil beings called the True Knot are chasing her with the intent to eat her shine, he does everything in his power to protect her, including returning to the Overlook. Um, now, for the majority of this film, um, if you missed the link to The Shining from the name Dan Torrance, you'd be forgiven for not realising it's actually a sequel to The Shining. It could very easily <laughs> be a standalone film. Um, I'm not sure you'd even necessarily need to know the events of the original. Um, you so, in the book, because I've, I've read both books, but I've not watched Doctor Sleep. Mm, yeah, it'd be interesting. In the book, it's, it's very linked. So yeah, that's what I was reading. So and it, so using the logic of it being a standalone film, say it's it's fine. Um, the story's mm-hmm. fine, um, it, although it's much more of a kind of a fantastical film than the original uh, Shining, as it's dealing with what essentially a kind of vampires, and it focuses more yeah. on uh, Danny's psychic powers and the paranormal elements. Whereas the Shining, I guess. Um, well, in in the film version, certainly it's more of a story of a an alcoholic writer's descent into madness. Um, yeah. In the, I think in the book, the paranormal events are very very real, but um, it's in the book it's very much a, a haunted hotel. Um, but in yeah, definitely in the film, it, the the argument could be made that it's all happening in Jack Torrance's head. I think. Yeah, I agree with that. That's right. That that's what Stephen King's biggest. Um beef with it. I figured that was probably the case. His yeah. whole omniverse or universe is everything's linked and everything's real. Yeah, so I, I can Shining understand was just why one-off that... thing, wasn't it? He didn't like it. So yeah, maybe that's why there was not cross wires, but a misinterpretation maybe. Um, but curiously, like the, the final scenes of the film, um, Danny returns to the, the Overlook, um, and that's where the film falls apart for me a little bit. Um, there's the scene where uh, Danny's sitting at the bar 
um, of the hotel, famously, that Jack Torrance was um, used to sit at. And the camera is kind of uh, placed as if it's behind the bar. Um, and there's a waiter in the foreground. So the, the waiter's got his back to the, uh, the camera. And it's very obviously um, Jack, Jack Torrance. And the scene would have worked because obviously he's got the same hairstyle. He does the voice really well. Had the camera stayed behind him, I think the scene would have worked perfectly. But it's when the camera kind of pans round and you see his no face way. and it's not Jack Nicholson. I, I can't understand why they Is made that CG decision. Jack Nicholson? No, it's, it's not. It's just some guy with this kind of passing resemblance to him. And he's just... There's Johnny. He's completely <laughs> irreplaceable, isn't he? There's no one that's on the same... Certainly on such an iconic role as well. Um, he does a good job of mimicking his voice. It's just, it's just not Jack Torrance. So I think it would have worked a little bit better had they just left the camera behind. Um, but Stanley Kubrick's directing style, it's unique. And while you can tell Mike Flanagan certainly made nods towards it, I think he kind of managed to rein it in a little bit to the point where it didn't look like a wish version of um, Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> I think that probably would have been an easy trap to fall into. Um, Kubrick wasn't scared of long, long shots and uh, Dutch angles and stuff like that, was it? There's so much that's so I- iconic about the way he films things or film things. He likes I'm, to tip I'm, a I'm, camera upside down. Yeah, I'm also sure Flanagan probably didn't work the cast half to death reshooting and reshooting <laughs> yeah. and reshooting to get the are. right tension. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, I think there was possibly a bit of overuse and a overbearing heartbeat within the soundtrack. Um, oh. Other than that, it's fine. Um, Ewan McGregor does a, a good job as Danny Torrance. Um, I think Rebecca Ferguson is um, more standout. Is oh, she in it? Yeah, she, so she's playing the role of Rose, who's the leader of the uh, the knots. Um, Rose the hat. But, oh. Make sure Rose the hat, the, sorry. I apologize. Rose the hat. <laughs> the magical hat. Yeah, she's um, called Rose. <laughs> so, she, so she has the advantage of not having to act up to um, somebody that's already played the role. Um, and. Yeah. You know, you haven't got most people that have seen it, not read the book. They don't have any idea who she has to be. So she <laughs> potentially has a bit of an easier job. But she, yeah, she she certainly stands out. But overall, the films, it's fine. It it certainly does nothing to tarnish the memory of the original film, like some sequels do. Um, and there's there's already an extended director's cut, isn't there? Oh, is there? I didn't know. Yeah, already. Hmm. So apparently, an extra half an hour doesn't need it on an already on an already long film. Yeah, doesn't need it. Um, but had it not had links to the original Shining, I think it would have probably gone completely under the radar. Um, as a direct sequel to the Shining, I think it would have. I would have liked a story more where it was kind of more about Danny Torrance dealing with the trauma of his childhood, um, and especially with Mike Flanagan directing it. You know, he did The Haunting of Hill House so well, so it's like mm. the, the characters are kind of recalling their time uh, in the house. And it's kind of flashing between the present and the past. I think that could have worked brilliantly. Um, Did you know there was a, a funny thing with the marketing for this film? So, in uh, in Europe and the rest of the world, they did this, they had their own poster, Doctor Sleep, Ewan McGregor's on it and stuff. But in the American one, they had to make it look like here's Johnny. Of course. To it, make people think, oh, it's the Shining too. <sighs> it's I, I, I hated that about them. I'm not going to lie, though. There You've is my interest. I'm quite interested in watching this now. It's fine. There actually, there is a here's Johnny moment as well, which had to be done. I think um, <laughs> there is in the book. Don't worry. Oh, is there? It's, it's, it's not because in the book it's not here's Johnny, is it? Precisely, but there is the there is the scary smashing through the door and stuff, and there is in the Doctor Sleep book as well. 
kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I, I just don't, I think I just don't <laughs> think that King needed to bother returning to this story whatsoever. I don't think it adds I like his, anything to it. I like his one-offs. And mm. I really like his one-offs. I just found the film dull as fuck. In so much so that I'm looking at my letterbox there and I just put Doctor Sleep indeed. <laughs> oh, you little clever journalist. <laughs> I was so yeah. bored by this film. Oh wow. I, I didn't find it it just it was just fine. It it you know, it it was an evening gone. I am not mad at Netflix. You know, I'm not gonna be demanding <laughs> I'm my I'm not gonna be demanding my subscription back, but was it worth the forty year wait? Not really. No. no. It's, it's just fine. Yeah, one there that wasn't worth the wait, unfortunately. But you get them, don't you? Because sometimes they're just shit. Yeah. It's mm. probably just like, you know, they knew that they would make money from it just with the, you know, with the links to The Shining. Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I think um, Stephen King's best writing is behind him. I can't think of any any books in the last 10 years that I've really enjoyed. No. He's got another one coming out next Friday. Oh. I've got a new film coming out. Firestorm Firestarter. or something, I think it's called. Firestarter. Firestarter. Oh, that's, that's, a good no, really? that's a good book, though. That's, that's a good book. Oh, it's got um, Zac Efron in it, hasn't it? Isn't the new Ooh, film. I wonder if he takes his top off. Yeah. Worth it. Out, <laughs> I, yeah, I forgot they were making for it. Remaking that's the one about the girl that can, uh, that's, that, that she's got power. I mean, that's from it's the 1980s, isn't fire. it? That's from the 1980s, so that was Carrie with Fire. No. Mm. Yeah, Firestarter's a good book. Yeah. It's not a new novel. It's fantastic in the movie. I was going to say it was Drew Barrymore, wasn't it? Yeah. In what? In the Fire original starter. movie, Drew Barrymore played the kid. She was yes. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Just after ET, she took that up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have, to, you have to be a really young kid in that. I've seen the trailer. It doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Hoodles, round us off. What have you got? It's positive, mine. Um, it's fine. It's not going to be as long as everyone else's because I've talked about this ad nauseum and... I struggled with this topic, as you as you guys know. Um, 2009, Dragon Quest Nine: Sentinels of the Starry Skies <laughs> was released on Nintendo DS. Luckily, this idiot had a Nintendo DS. Not an idiot because it's a great console, but I already had one, so I, I didn't even realize that they took it. Because 8, as everyone knows, was the PlayStation 2 game. I thought, well, 9 will come on PlayStation 2 or 3. Do you know what I mean? I thought that's where we were going now. Um, Square Enix RPG. You all know what Dragon Quest is now. God, yeah. even Stig's an expert on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest Japanese role-playing game series of all time. <clears throat> it's better than Final Fantasy, guys. Come on. It says wearing a Final Fantasy T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Dragon Quest Nine came out, and it was a good game. Um, it's a typical Akihiro Hino game. Um, he put a spin on it, because obviously the DS warranted... Short burst, didn't it? Handheld games. Yeah. Warrant, short burst. So what he did instead of focusing too much on story, which the games do, he focused on the systems at play. He put a job system in that some of the other games had. So it was more about the gameplay and how you could min-max your party and stuff. Proper old-school RPGs. You know what they're like. Um, nice nice little game. You played a little angel celestial thing and you could... You, you recruited your own party rather than there were set characters like we know and love from Dragon Quest games because Dragon Quest games have excellent characters and stuff. With nine, you recruited your own. They were just hollow shells, basically, for you to turn into beautiful, beautiful party members. And then 2012, 
Dragon Quest X came out on the Wii. But there's a big problem. You might think that's not a long gap. It released exclusively in Japan. And to this day, still exclusively in Japan. Broke my heart, that. One, I did have a Wii. You know I don't like the Wii, but I had one. Everyone had one. I think there was a Wii in every household at one point, wasn't there? Pretty much. Even the Queen had one. Yeah, a gold one. I never had one. You never had a Wii? No. The only Nintendo console I've ever had is a SNES. Oh, and a Game Boy Advance, that's it. And that's where you've gone wrong in life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it came out, and obviously I've seen it in... Back in 2012, I was still reading magazines and stuff, and I was like, this looks really good. Because <laughs> there were some good little RPGs on the Wii that didn't have stupid motion controls. Um, and this was an MMO RPG, and I wasn't that against multiplayer back then. So I'd have been, I'd have been all about that, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd have been up in its grill. <clears throat> but instead, no, we didn't get it. I had to wait till 2017, so an eight-year gap which is huge for me <laughs> in the grand scheme of Dragon Quest. We, we had some spin-offs here and there. For the greatest game that's ever been created, Dragon Quest XI, Echoes of an Elusive Age. Now, a few of us here have played that, and mm-hmm. you kind of understand why I love it so much. Um, Takeshi, it's the West Country accents. It's definitely that. Takeshi Uchikawa, just phew, absolute hit on all cylinders. It's the... It's the sweetest, most lovely, incredible love letter to a golden era of the 90s. And we all know that it is my favourite game of all time, still not being beaten yet. Um, I've played it now six times on five different consoles. So... (laughs) As you do. I fucking adore it. To the point where I was looking on eBay the other week to to impart the Japanese version on the 3DS version. <laughs> the 3DS version of it? Yeah, it's all in 2D. Oh, so is that the 2D version that yes. stuck onto the S version? Yes, but it's all in Japanese. So, no, not doing it. But I want it. <laughs> <laughs> I still want it. It's just like Akia Toriyama. People don't like his art style. I love it. If you don't know who he is, guys, and you've not been listening to this podcast, Dragon Ball. He's a Dragon Ball guy. I was going to say, I was, I was say the art is very Dragon Ball. He is the Dragon Ball guy. And he, he deliberately makes characters look simple and eye-catching and very similar. Uh, in his words, it's part laziness but part familiar, familiarity. And you can just see it in everything he does. Every monster, every creature, every thing he does, you'll see it in some of his other work. The dragons look like dragons in Dragon Ball. Do you know what I mean? It's Yeah. The character, everyone looks like Goku in some form. It's Goku with a wig on. (laughs) (laughs) But I find it endearing. I really like it. Um, Yuji Hori, that's the the difference with this is the writing in 11, in that that gap, obviously 9 had no real, he had writing, he had narrative to it, but bare bones narrative. And 10 being an MMO, God, no, I, I can't imagine it being... Super narrative heavy. I'm not. A, I'm not an MMO guy. I don't really understand them. I don't some know how MMOs work. are pretty narrative heavy. Yeah, are there? Oh, are they? Like, fa- like what? Like Final Fantasy fourteen is. I very just started that heavy. today, and um, I don't know what's happening <laughs> in the story. <laughs> that's that, 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 that's a normal experience. One for a Final Fantasy game, two for an MMO. Mm-hmm. I am completely lost. But it's fine. It's fine. You'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm getting there. It's, it didn't cost me a penny. 
Thank God. But yeah, um, Eleven just did so much straight away. Again, we've got a, a voiceless hero, and me and Stig have chatted about this before. It's, it's hilarious that he doesn't talk. But it's everyone else surrounding him. It's just incredible. You've met Sylvando, haven't you, Stig? Yeah. Yeah, he's in my party. He's incredible, isn't he? Yeah. yeah kick, <laughs> kick, you know who he is. Kicked yeah, out one of the other members so I could have him in my party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of the greatest game characters and modern characters, modern take on sexuality, on being who you are and not giving a fuck and still being an absolute badass mm. but a fop. Do you know what I mean? It's It's so like... For a Japanese developer to be that broad and that open about things, I think it's fantastic. And it's just a lovely game. It, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. The, the weight, people say, oh, was it worth it? I think because there technically wasn't a weight because in Japan they weren't waiting. They won't go that long without a Dragon Quest game. It's an event when they bring out a Dragon Quest game over there. They have to close schools and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, It's their Disney. It's their big thing, and in my there is a weight for me, so I don't know if you're allowing me to count this, Stig, but it's a weight for me, and it was absolutely worth it. It blew me away. The merchandise as well over there is just insane. What? They've got Dragon Quest cafes, they've got yeah. Dragon Quest channel, they've got a channel, they've got a fucking channel, it's just Dragon Quest stuff. <laughs> I live in the wrong country. <laughs> I was born in the wrong country, and... Like it's just everything about it. It just I don't know what it is. It's just perfect for 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 my focus as well. It's good for I don't care who's watching me play Dragon Quest apart from the puff puff scenes. It's a bit awkward. <laughs> I love the puff puff scenes. They're my favourite bit. I bet you do. I look for them everywhere in that game. Sometimes go back to they the same everywhere one. in that game. Yeah, uh, mate. There's a, there's a plot. There's a, there's a little side quest for that. So don't worry. There's a puff puff side quest. For the best puff puff, puff in the world. <laughs> and I said puss puss then. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, I don't know what it, it does. It just makes me feel like I'm reading a beautiful fairy tale. when I, I Like, I, I, I constantly play this game. It's always in my rotation on whatever console I'm on. And I'll just play half an hour and something magical happens. I'm still discovering stuff six times in. It's just yeah. so special to me. It just blows my mind. But that weight... I think it was worth it because obviously they learned from 9 and 10. Because by all accounts, 10's brilliant, even though it's an MMO and it's still active. I, I, don't, I think it's still active. I think they've got like, you know, when fan, fan servers, you know, when they keep a server going. I don't know. How. I, don't th- no, I, don't, I don't, don't think it's active anymore because if it was only on the Wii, the Wii, you can't go online with it anymore. There's probably ways around it. You know what they're <laughs> yeah, like. Maybe. You know what they're like. There's but a new I know one it was, coming out was... now, isn't there? Didn't they announce a 12 or something? Yeah, mate, yeah. The, the, the thing is with this, it's going to be cool and I'm going to enjoy it, but it seems to be not fun and fantastical. It seems to be getting a dark, dark, dark tone, and I'm like, oh, no, what's happening? Like when, when uh, Ghibli goes too dark and you think, <laughs> oh, no, Ghibli, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> I do need to get back and play that at some point. I have not literally yeah, not played it since before. I'll meet up because it's, got, it's, it's always going to be there for you because you boot it up and it's going to tell you exactly what you've done. That's right, yeah. It's yeah, it does. That. That's one thing I actually love about it, actually. When you when you yeah. create out of it, you come back and it tells you yeah. exactly where this you're up This is what you did last this time. This is the, the last thing you did. It's like, oh. Yeah. Like, and the game's got so many quality of life. If you can't remember what you were specking your characters toward, just change it. Start again with them. You know what I mean? It's, there's, there's no barrier to entry at all in this game. It's just 
the perfect Japanese role-playing game. And if you don't like Japanese role-playing games, I still think you should give it a go. Well, I did. You find it, yeah. And you were you, you were going to surprise me with that one, weren't you? Now yeah. we're all like, oh, so twenty six hours into it, so it must have been doing something right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. It's just, I just, it's so special to me in that way. And I, I'm willing to let there be a big wait between eleven and twelve, but I'm just so I am very nervous about this. I think in that um, that little concept trailer that we had, there was blood in it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, when's it supposed to be out? I don't think it's... When it's ready. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's a date. Okay. I, don't think I reckon it'll be 2024. Most people are assuming next year. It'll be out in Japan for a year before we get it anyway. Mm. It always is. So it's localised. Yeah, because when it gets localised, those games get localised good. All the accents, all the accents. And then they find up candy oh, and say, can you do your accents for us? <laughs> and I'll be like, yes, yeah. Baba, I will. You're in it anyway, Candy. <laughs> you you are. Gemma, on the beginning right of the level. Beginning of the game, yeah. <laughs> now I have to play it. Fight, fight, and fight some more. <laughs> yes. Oh, see. She said that so many times. I was just, I was just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> if you play that game in 2D mode, you can't hear her. <laughs> I have to do that. Yeah. Awesome. It's just, so it's just all of us then, isn't yeah, it? So good. That's us all. What about the uh, oh. listeners and gadget? Good man. Uh, well, a few of them have got in contact with us. We'll start with Zenos. Uh, he said uh, for one that didn't work so well, the Golden Sun series is one of my favourite JRPG franchises. Yeah, man. The first two games released on the GBA, the third on the DS, and with an eight-year gap, two thousand two to twenty ten, between two and three. The graphics on the first two were impressive for the system and feels like they genuinely pushed the limits of the Game Boy Advance's sound capability. Uh, they're solid RPGs, but the third one felt a lot shorter than the first two, which were originally intended to be one game, but it was literally too big to fit on one yeah. uh, Game Boy Advance cartridge and had to be split in half. It follows directly afterwards. And critically, the third one ended on a cliffhanger, which is still unresolved 12 years later in the present Bastards. day. Yep. At least the main characters still get cameos in Smash Brothers franchise yep. as spirits or assist trophies, but I want the fourth game that they set up. <laughs> uh, as for one that did, it's hard to beat the gap between 1986 and 2012 that is Kid Icarus on the Nintendo Entertainment System to Kid Icarus Uprising on the 3DS. The original being a notoriously tough-as-nails platformer and the sequel being an outstanding third-person shooter-slash-action game with a solid plot, great character writing, tons of comedy thrown in amongst the drama, and some absolutely fantastic music. I really like these games, and I've got a lot to say about Golden Sun in particular. The second game was one of the first GBA games I ever owned. Oh, so fucking Golden Sun's so good. That's another one. Like, if you're not that into JRPGs, this one could push that barrier. I think it's just mm. brilliant. It's it's beautiful. I don't know how they managed to get that game looking like it did. It's stylized in a beautiful, beautiful way. Wasn't that the one that you oh, could rely on the light, actually? No, that's Boktai. Huh? That's Boktai. Is that what it was? Boktai. I thought Golden Sun yeah. had something similar to that. Is that a vegetable? No, there's a Kojima <laughs> one that he did something with. Hideo Kojima did a, a, an RPG with the sun, and it wasn't very good. I think it's called Boktai. You'd have to you have to Google that. I can't Google that while I'm talking. God. Not Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Lee, Lee Davies has gone in for a deep, deep, deep cut here. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings books are probably the most successful return to the world for me. <laughs> yes, it The is. gap between them was 17 years, and Lord of the Rings is just so good. And it massively fleshes out the lore and the general locations of Middle-earth. 
I read them all back to back, but imagine that if I'd read The Hobbit as a kid at the time, coming back as an adult to see what Bilbo and Gandalf were up to would have been incredibly moving. I love those guys so, so much. That's what Tolkien said in that interview, that famous one they did on the BBC. He's like, yes, The Hobbit is a kid's film, but then the kids grew up by the time I wrote the next three. <laughs> so yes. He was like the first one that's thought about that, do you know what I mean? <laughs> what a boy. Because he wrote them for his kids. Yeah, what a boy, what a boy. Um... Uh, Angry Curtis said, my choice this week would be the return of Doom in 2016 after a long hiatus from Doom 3, which seemed to have split opinion as to whether it was a good entry or not. I maintain Doom 3 is a good game, but a bad Doom game. I like Doom 3. Good survival horror game. Scary. Yeah, Doom 3 is great, but it's it's a very bad Doom game. I played the original Um, version when you had to have the torch as a a gun. That was a choice. You're, you're you're on a Martian mining facility. Does nobody have any gaffer tape? Yeah, I just hold they re, it. They, like, they redid that, didn't they? Though on the new like version, that. Jack Bauer holds yeah. it like holds a torch there and rests the gun on his. Yeah, like that. Oh, yeah. Everyone should look to Jack Bauer. I always said exactly look to Jack said. Bauer and how to hold a torch and a gun a at the same time. I went tattooed on my back. Yeah, Jack was here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it says either way, Doom 2016 wasn't really on my radar and still wasn't really until the reviews came out. And it wasn't until the positive word of mouth went around that I decided to give it a shot, and my word was it good. Even now it plays like no other FPS game and was a great reinvention of the series whilst also maintaining its core DNA. The wait for it was definitely worthwhile, and I can't wait until the next one. Rumours the past couple of days it might be unveiled at the Xbox Showcase in in June. I really liked the the, the Doom 2016. I don't like the one after it. At all. Yeah, I, I I didn't get on with Eternal. I I it's it's too much. gone over it several times. It's all this too. It's it's more that I didn't like the kind of push to be a bit more arcadey. But I appreciate why a lot of people like it. It just didn't work for me. Mm, I love the t- t- 2016. Oh, it's so good. It's the music, the music, <laughs> yeah, the yeah, the division like, kind <laughs> yes. of rooms where you just you're having to just bounce around and like time. I like time my Doom on you, Mars, you guys, perfectly so you can. <laughs> Get the kill and make sure you don't die, and then your health's like low, and you're like fuck, 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 like running around. And I'll tell you what I did like on the the second one is the fact that he's in a big castle above Earth. I fucking love that. That's so fucking cool. (laughs) Give you kind of Martian Manhunter vibes. Yeah, where is it? He's in his castle. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking cool. That's cool. I might might play that that with it. I do appreciate that with Eternal that they just kind of threw out the idea of being any sense of realism. He's got a castle in the fucking sky. I didn't get that far, so I might play that again. I might, I might just fucking do it. Fuck okay. it. Uh, last up, we have Ray, and he said, uh, sequels return after a long time seldom work, but there are some that defy the rule. Blade Runner 2049 is one of the rare cases. Yeah, boy. Although the original creation crew was largely absent from the new installment, the, the new team showed a deep appreciation and understanding of yes, the source material. Did. The visuals were prettier but fit the style, the atmosphere was right, and the most important part is it provided an answer to a 30-year-old question, and it did it in a brilliant way. It did, it did. Couldn't ask for, be- for a better sequel than that. Unfortunately, though, most of the long-time sequels can't even grasp what makes the original successful. The most egregious offender I can think of is the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Yeah. The controversy around them cannot be covered in one reply, but the dramatic change from the one-to-one A New Hope copy that was The Force Awakens (laughs) to the Let the Past Die, Last Jedi, the creative team didn't seem to have made up their mind on whether they wanted to do an HD remaster or start a revolution. Uh, (laughs) A a sad, sad way to waste the reunion of old actors and film crew. Force away. The man's got a point. I mean, go from that to how it ended up. Just what Mm. happened? I really, at the time when it came out, I really liked the Force Awakens. I do like it now, even though it is just essentially a retread of 
Yeah, it's got no, issues, but it's still enjoyable. Well, it felt it definitely after the prequels. The feeling of watching that film and the the way it looked and sounded and everything, the tone of it, that was like right. Feels like Star Wars. Feels like the original trilogy. That one, yeah. and then just they messed it up so bad, so bad. Just not having Who directed that one. Plan. Force Awakens. JJ Abrams. It was. Just, just. Why would you Star not? Wars why would you take good. the biggest franchise of all time and not yeah. plan it out? Mm. Why would you just go? That's that. You can see <laughs> it though. You can see it not. What planned. fucking? Why would you not do that? Like it's ridiculous. No, I don't. I don't know what the. And they've just sat, and because Is of it that, Gareth Edwards that did the second one. No, it was Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Yeah. That's it. That's it. But Imo did Looper. Mm. Did Looper. And then, yeah, knives out. But it it just yeah, boggles it. my mind that they just didn't have a plan. And just and just went on a whim and just whatever the fuck whoever you do what you want to do you do what you do even it makes no sense that fucking third one though third one is Alpatine just... has somehow been resurrected or <laughs> whatever he says it's like they're flying <laughs> yeah they're great. Like, they're flying out they're flying out they're flying out they're flying out like, fuck off the bait and oh, switch so with Chewie and that and it's just like the yeah. the MacGuffin oh that dagger just happens to be exactly the same shape as a fallen. Yeah. Uh, this a star destroyer. I, 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 just, I hate it. I hate kissing I each hate other. It. Fucking <laughs> awful, it, awful oh, film. Kiss the mass murderer. Go on, give him a kiss. I'd like to be at the board meeting for Phantom Menace as well. Some bad guys don't need to be redeemed. He could have just been no. an evil bastard. Yeah, and it would have made more. I, I, I like Darth Vader's redemption. Where his only his only redemption is on his son. Nothing, nobody else. Yeah, nothing else. That's his only redemption. Not even redemption with his daughter. <laughs> Just his son. And that's Phantom it. Phantom Menace when his they go, act. let's talk about the trade embargo. Everyone wants to see that. Oh, I've learned some talk about <laughs> well, that. Actually, it makes actually, sense, fair, that, they just spent too long be, around it. Yeah. Well, no, but the, 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 the whole point is, and I, I, I will, the Phantom Menace has a lot of problems. Are you going to defend, defend this the Phantom it, like, Menace now? Am I, re- well, am it, I hearing it, this correctly? It's more defending the concept because the because people going about oh it's about a trade dispute. It's like how do you think wars start? Oh yeah, yeah I get it's that. It's the huh? beginning of a saga of war in yeah. space. It's like they have to have a reason, and and the, it's the idea that it starts off as this ridiculous little trade dispute between a planet between it's the machinations of one planet. man, though, isn't it? And yeah, and it's then it's how it's supposed to be how that thread gets spun out into Palpatine's plan over yeah. the three films. And that, but the problem is, everyone focuses on well, it's just about a trade dispute. It's like the war hadn't started yet. <laughs> it's about the Gungans, don't you at see? At least Lucas, if all along, as it was a terrible of the as the execution is. At least he had a plan. It's like this is the story I want to tell. You could have made that story really work really well. It just yeah, his fascination it with co- it's cohesive, green it screen is. and shit characters and stuff. Yeah. And I think didn't he write the scripts? And he's notoriously bad at writing. So yes. that doesn't help. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Star Wars is not good anymore. I admit it's it is. I actually like it best. a lot more. Like I, I still like. I, we put it on our Discord. There's more things I like than I don't dislike. Than I dislike I know, in Star I Wars. Know. Wild. Anymore? No, that's it. Excellent, excellent. So, as always, if you want to join us on Patreon, you can. Or why don't you just go onto our website, modernescapism.co.uk. Or is it .com? I can't remember. .co.uk. Because my iPad has run out of battery. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, .co.uk. 
and you can see the links to all our other stuff and you can click on those links and you can just give us five stars, likes, all that nonsense. Next week, we are going to do games that we couldn't beat when we were younger. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, you weren't there when we decided that we <laughs> no. I was off. I was off preparing. I had no idea that was. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Games we couldn't. I don't, I don't necessarily mean complete or beat or hard. Some concepts might have been too much for you when you're younger, and you've come back to it and you've thought, ah. So that's what we're doing next week. We happy with that gadget? Just hearing that the first time now. <laughs> Yeah, no. I already have some yeah, ideas. I, in, yeah, stick stick to that straight away. Had one I've game got ideas. In my head. <laughs> I was just like, fuck that game. <laughs> Sonic Game Gear. <laughs> Candy said Sonic yeah. as well. So it's Sonic. One, two, three. <laughs> so, yes, listeners, get that, get those things in. That you, you remember when you were kids. Make us feel old as well if you're not that old. Like, I couldn't be Grand Theft Auto San Andreas when I was six. Make me feel old. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> If you want to do that, that you can. Choice. So, but you weren't six then. You were fucking forty-six. <laughs> <laughs> so, patrons, meet in the green room. We've got a new sex- segment in there for you as well. Oh, it's going to be lovely. But for everyone else, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Good night. Bye. It says device is not connected, and I don't know what to do. I haven't touched anything. It says I'm back state. Well, I can't put you in because it says device is not connected on our, on our end. Uh, can you try restarting your computer? Uh. <laughs> what a dingbat. <laughs> so we're going to have to resync our local audio then. Why, is everyone... Did the kill kill your audacity? It's gone. It's gone. Oh no! <laughs> Biggie! Biggie! Is he pressing Biggie! summer? Is he pressing summer? I don't know. That last one was actually my fault. I hit the wrong page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you closed the browser. I may have. You may have. You may, you may have. <laughs>